And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case of which I'm certain I've lived in a life that's full I've traveled each and every highway <laughs> But more, much more than this I did it my way <laughs> Leo Stein have filled then again too few Leo Stein mentioned Leo Stein did what Leo Stein had to do Leo Stein saw it through without the exception my plan each charted course each careful step along the byway and more much more than this I did it my way Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew when I bit off way more than I could chew I've loved, I've laughed and cried, I've had my fill, my share of losing, and now, as tears subside, I find it all so amusing, Coop. Well, hey, mm, I did all that. And may I say, not in a shy way. Oh no, no, not me. I did it my way. For what is the man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say better things, they feels, and not the words of one who yields. The record shows I took the blows for Laura and did it.
south of the Canadian border, 12 miles west of the state line. I've never seen so many trees in my life. As W.C. Fields would say, I'd rather be here than Philadelphia. 54 degrees on a slightly overcast day. Weatherman said rain. You get paid that kind of money for being wrong 60% of the time. You'd be working. The mileage is 79,345. Gauge is on reserve. I'm riding on fumes here. I got to tank up when I get into town. Remind me to tell you how much that is. Lunch was uh, $6.31 at the Lamplighter Inn. That's on Highway 2 near Lewis Fork. That was a uh, tuna fish sandwich on whole wheat, slice of cherry pie, and a cup of coffee. Damn good food. Diane, if you ever get up this way, that cherry pie is worth a stop. Okay. Looks like I'll be meeting up with the uh, Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Shouldn't be too hard to remember that. We'll be at the Calhoun Memorial Hospital. Guess we're gonna go up to intensive care and take a look at that girl that crawled down the railroad tracks off the mountain. When we finish here, I'll be checking into a motel. I'm sure the sheriff will be able to recommend a clean place, reasonably priced. That's what I need. A clean place, reasonably priced. Oh, Diane, I almost forgot. Got to find out what kind of trees these are. They're really something. Drop it! Duncan and both come correct. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the the final episode, uh, the ultimate, the uh, the nadir uh, <laughs> of our podcasting journey through Twin Peaks. Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaksies. Uh, obviously, not the end of Duncan and Bo. Come correct. Uh, we got X Files right around the corner, but this is it. This is all the Twin Peaks. Um, with me as always. My compatriot, my uh, my dear friend, my partner in criminal investigation for mm. for this series, Duncan McLeish, sir. How are you? How are you excited here to be standing at the precipice of all of this being over with? Well, I'm most looking forward to being the excited person I am and the lover of all things David Lynch. I'm looking forward to two episodes that answer. Every single question that I've had throughout this full year investigating Twin Peaks. And, Bo, I have a lot of questions. So many, many questions. Pages and pages of questions. And I know that David Lynch is not the sort of guy who will leave any questions unanswered. They don't call him unambiguous. Um, They call him David Lynch. And Lynchian is a term that means linear, to the point, and all questions answered. It's satisfying. <laughs> um, yeah. So the question on the table, uh, and I don't know that we have to answer it right now, is is the ending of season three more or less satisfying than the end of season two? And And like I said, I don't feel like we have to answer that right away, but I think there is certainly shared DNA. Oh, yes. And, uh, but we'll get into it. Um, it is... It, it, I, I'm excited to talk about this, and, and I have to admit to you something I we haven't talked about yet. 
Um, I finished this morning the final dossier. Have you? Right, I, right. I've, I've not even started it yet. So I am all done with that. I don't know if you want any discussion of, of some of that. Like, I, I don't know that it distinctly affects the impression of the end of, of episode 18. Oh, right. I right. Well, it, it doesn't put a fine point on that, but there is a ton more backstory and a little bit of postscript oh, yeah. for some of the characters. That's cool. What what I would say is I'm still keen that we take an hour at some point and discuss that. My, my okay. intentions are to... I, I'm going to be traveling in the next week and I have the audiobook uh, in advance of my physical copy of said book arriving. So I, I do intend on doing the audiobook. So I would still be keen to just wrap up everything okay. with a discussion on that. Maybe an hour or so, but is it good? Yes. Uh y- yeah, there there's some uh, some very fun stuff, and I I, I got to be honest with you, Duncan. Uh, uh, rolled a tear. See, well, that means I won't roll a tear. Uh, so. But it's <laughs> there is a PS on Margaret's story that Aww. is really touching and sweet. Uh, Delay like that. Like that. Yeah, it's it, there. There is some really good stuff, and and I look forward to having that discussion with you. I will try to divorce myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from all of this incredibly detailed knowledge <laughs> about Philip Jeffries and oh, yeah. Audrey and I don't, uh, we don't we need no no more about these things Bo, because they're all nice tied up questions in episode 17, 17 and 18. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um no, the threads uh, there is one phrase uh, that I think applies uh, to the discussion of the episodes this evening that is called from the 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 book, the final dossier. One is by any chance David Lynch, you son of a bitch? No, it is. <laughs> it is from Albert, who refers to all of the proceedings as a gargantuan interdimensional clusterfuck. That is apt. Yes, so that's straight from Albert uh, Albert's mouth, and I think we can take that to the bank, uh, which of course is well, D- Del Mibler uh, died, Duncan, and uh, yeah. also where uh, Pete Martell was unfortunate, and Audrey was chained in the bank to yeah. the the door, and I'm yeah. stuck in the loop, Duncan. I can't get out. out of the loop. Get out of the loop and fall into the gap, bull. Oh man! All right, all right. Before we get into these episodes, because holy crap. Um, to say that they are they are Lynchian, <laughs> like it is every Lynch movie ever made in two episodes. Yeah, There's... it's it's what happens when I think it's what it's kind of what I hoped would happen, and we'll, we'll get into details. But it's kind of when when we heard that David Lynch was doing all eighteen episodes. I was kind of hoping for this, and um, it, it did not. It did not uh, disappoint. Yeah, I mean, truly one of those episodes, uh, or both of these episodes, um, where you think, like, well, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know, it like it continued to be surprising and and wonderful to the last instant. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but all right, all right. So, those are the two questions. Uh, the two questions before us. Again, Ooh, yes. don't have to answer them until we're done. 
Yeah, I would get my thinking on right now while we're talking about them. So, uh, is this uh, is this conclusion better than season two's? Uh-huh. Uh, also, have we cemented with the conclusion of season three Twin Peaks as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, television show of all time? Cool. I can answer both those questions. All right. So, before we uh, get into uh, Twin Peaks uh and and agent dale cooper and and battles against good and evil and uh and whatnot uh we do our own battle of good and evil but of the cinematic variety uh that was a better segue than i planned that was uh, such a good segue <laughs> i know I, I i apologize for calling it out but it was <laughs> it was off the cuff and and i should have written it down um <laughs> But, uh, you know, we, we like to go back to our roots on, on this show on occasion and, uh, and, and talk about what we've been watching, good and bad. And uh, I got one of each. Duncan, how about you? I've got one good. Uh, I have been fortunate enough in, uh, in the last week since we recorded, I have seen none bad. Wow. All right. Yeah. I've all got, I, have I got a recommendation for you then, Duncan? <laughs> it's all been home runs for me. I'll kick us off. Uh, I got an opportunity to go and see an advanced screening of The Disaster Artist, the new James Franco um, outing based on the book by uh, Greg, uh, forget what his name is, um, on the the story behind the making of The Room. Uh, it's Tommy Wiseau out. In- that seems to, like to have Ed Wood level possibilities it's fucking brilliant it's absolutely brilliant because james franco is tommy Wiseau, and i never thought i would it's as someone who is a fan of the room for all the reasons that one could call themselves a fan of the room i.e it's fucking awful but it's awful in a delightful way like we've spoken about this before when we speak about uh, duncan and bolcom incorrect the, the fact that what truly makes a good, bad movie is the intention to do, you know, the intention by the filmmaker to make a great movie and to have it fall apart and at, at every junction, just everything not to work. Um, and that's basically what The Room is for anyone that hasn't seen it. You know, you do yourself a favour and uh, check it out as, as a head-scratcher, to say the least. Um but the disaster artist captures the moment of these two these two guys meeting for the first time. Um, they're moved to LA. The the fact that Tommy was very little, even now, very little is known about him. Um, he is insanely wealthy, but no one knows where the wealth has come from. He is clearly Eastern European, but claims to be American. Um, and no one knows his age. Um, so he's Dracula, probably. Well, this is this is the irony of the situation, is that when he moves to LA and um, applies for roles, he applies to be the all-American boy, and people keep telling him, no, we can imagine you as a, a Frankenstein, a, a Dracula, a villain. And he doesn't see himself as a villain, so ultimately he decides to make his own movie, which is The Room. And um, you follow... You follow the journey to that. It's brilliant. It is laugh out loud funny, but at the same time, cringing to watch. Um, 
And James Franco not only directed this movie, but he directed it in character. So he's on screen directing himself as Tommy Wiseau um, and directing it as Tommy Wiseau. It's it's insane, um, but so, so funny and just a bizarre look at a guy who has ultimately was kind of shunned by the by by the Hollywood elite trying to hold back my Alex Jones uh, but you know it, it was kind of it was shunned by them he was told he would never become an actor he would never do anything and ironically has made a movie which yeah given 13 years it's been out has went on to well exceed uh, the amount of money that was put into it originally but he has become a cult status icon uh, that travels with his movie all over the world. It uh, has legions of fans. Merch coming out the the wazoo um, or the wazoo. There you go. Um, and yeah, he is he is ultimately through a series of horrible accidents um, become the celebrity that he always wanted to be. Um, as as a fascinating, funny, strange little movie that I, I highly recommend. Everyone checks out, um, and James Franco, like I said before, is incredible. And he is—he has taught the, at the end of the end credits. They play the scene side by side from the movie uh, and from the disaster artist. I swear to God, uh, you would think that you were seeing Tommy Wiseau and both both airplanes on the screen. It is insane how how much he he channels them. It's yeah, it has made me want to just start doing the Tommy Wiseau laugh at everything though. Whenever anyone says anything, go <laughs> like that. It's it's kind of amazing. Um, that sounds yeah. great. Like I, this is a movie I've been looking forward to, and and hearing you gush about it. Is, oh, you're gonna love it. You're yeah. gonna. Uh, you've seen the room, haven't you? You must have. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, and and yeah. I mean, it's one of those rare, beautiful gems of a fiasco. Yeah, and. You're going to hear them talk about... Like, there are things about this movie that I did not know. Like, like I didn't realise that... You know all this, the, the scenes on the, the the roof? That's not actually shot on a roof. I thought it was shot on a roof. It's not shot on a roof. He constructed a fake roof and then green screened it. That's beautiful. And people like that, we could just shoot this on the roof. And he was like, no, no, film set, film set. <laughs> it's like, he, he filmed in analog and in digital at the same time. Like, uh, just... <laughs> I mean, why on earth that that seems so... Like, to intercut, but, but you would have to digitize the analog to cut... Yep. Yep. Oh my god. And so honestly, you're going to fucking... As someone that... I think you're going to love it even a little bit more than me because you have a bit more knowledge of the inner workings of being on a set than I do. I've never been on a movie set before. You're, it is gonna, it's going to tickle your asshole, but honestly, you're going to fucking love this movie. All right, yeah. I, I mean, tickets sold. It kind of was already because it just seems like such a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, <laughs> it's so good. But, you know, the, the thing about Tommy Wiseau that always blows my mind is the pivot he made. Like, when The Room came out uh-huh. and started getting this cult following, of the pivot he made from, no, no, I made a real movie 
to know, oh, no, it was supposed to be funny. Yeah, and... you see him do that in the movie. You know, you okay. see him. All like, right. As soon as I'm... he gets... <laughs> so I can't wait. I can't wait to see this movie. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah, so, I always so thought good. that was just the craziest thing. Like, he leaned into it in a way that, that was so shameless, I kind of respected it. Ah, yeah. Good. Ultimately, if you... Like, yeah. Uh, like I say, time will out on that movie. Um, even though it is an absolute train wreck, it is a gloriously, wonderfully funny, entertaining train wreck. Yeah, and I mean, if your goal is to make an entertaining movie, then he succeeded. Oh yeah, by it far. Just, yeah. just, just not on purpose. Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, you're tearing me apart, Bo. Uh, let's play some football. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that movie is is, is something else. At some point, we may talk about that in more detail. Uh, has, that to, has to be done. Has to yeah. be done. What about yourself? What have you seen, good and bad? Uh, okay, well, um, I have seen. Let me let me start with the bad because uh, this movie pissed me off a little bit. Oh. Um, I saw the Hacksaw Ridge, uh, also known as just Hacksaw Ridge uh, for young people. <laughs> this is um, the Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Um. And it is, it's basically the story of Sergeant York. And I know it's not Sergeant York. It's a, a real guy that did real shit. But take the movie Sergeant York and then uh, have it, like, have the movie Sergeant York sewing alone in a barn in a rustic field. And then the movie Braveheart comes in and sexually assaults it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh dear! And until it just begs for mercy, oh. and and that is Hacksaw Ridge. It is like Andrew Garfield is good in it. Uh, he, I, I think he's actually a pretty good actor. Um, it feels exploitative, the, like the battle scenes. As, as someone who is a bit of a gore hound, uh, you know, I like a good gory movie. Mm-hmm. But when you're telling the story of like the heartbreaking loss of war, it it lingers, it leers a little bit too much on on you know. Oh my God! Look, this guy's guts are coming out, and look at this guy's head getting shot. And what about this guy get bayoneted right in the face? Mm-hmm. And oh, and at night the rats come, and you know, I it's it's graphic in a way that goes beyond just showing the the horrors of war and becomes more of a like almost walking dead style gore fest at times Mm -hmm. and and it felt inappropriate and i thought it was really it seemed out of touch with the character you know like if you're telling the, the the story of a guy who's a conscientious objector who wants to go to the battlefield but refuses to hold a gun. You know, there's something noble in that idea of like, I want to serve my country. I want to serve my fellow man. I'm just not going to kill somebody else to do it. And, uh, and, and so some of the scenes of him, like saving people is really heroic and, and kind of moving. Uh, cause Mel Gibson can direct a movie, but he also really likes it when people come apart and and that's kind of what you see. Like it, it, the comparison that kept coming up over and over again is something like Saving Private Ryan, where you see that initial Normandy scene, mm-hmm. and it it's graphic, but it's not exploitative. It's just it it's so shocking, and 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 again, it's just so 
skillfully edited and put together as a scene that by the end of it, like when the, you know, the beach is finally taken, you're as breathless as the soldiers, you know, it's like, fuck, I, I like, I can't believe I made it and I'm just in the theater. Mm-hmm. And the, this movie like aims for some of that, but it just it has no restraint and, and can't pull it off as something meaningful as opposed to just something kind of gross to look at. Um, it, it, it felt completely atonal for, for the main character, you know, like, uh, for a guy all about being, uh, peaceful and whatnot. Uh, that movie seems over the top. Like if you, if, if you're interested in seeing a war slash action movie, that's also about 40 minutes too long. Um, <laughs> that, that the entire first hour is just like, shucks y'all I ain't gonna kill nobody but the war's coming and that's the whole first hour and oh my god it's just not I I, I think it's a wrong-headed movie and I, I don't think Mel Gibson is a bad director I think he might be a bad person um <laughs> but I I don't I think he can direct a movie it's just he he can't control his baser impulses when he's trying to tell a noble story you mm-hmm. know Braveheart's a good example of that. Like Braveheart is is a story that could be told with a, a defter touch and be a much classier movie. Yeah, but I'm not a big fan of Braveheart at all. We were talking about sure, this. Sure. And uh, I'm not I'm not trying to win you over. And I, and I am I trust me, I am in the minority in Scotland. Like that is a movie that is beloved in Scotland, uh, just in general. I, I don't like it because I've studied the history when I was younger, and it didn't make any sense. Like, characters in that were, like, babies. Like, the, the princess that uh, William Wallace apparently falls in love with was a baby when William Wallace was around. So, um... It was a different time, Duncan. It was a different time. Uh, you know, but, yeah, there's... I, I mean, that... I, I mean, it's, it's accurate to a certain point. Um, Mel Gibson just obviously was very romanticised by the idea of of William Wallace and aren't we all? But yeah, I think, I mean, all his movies tend to, you're right, all his movies tend to go down that road. Um, I mean, you right. look at Passion like, of the Christ or Apocalypto. Apocalypto was the one that came to mind a lot while I was watching uh, Not Sergeant York. Yeah, and, and 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 like the the graphic nature of that film, which felt more appropriate in that movie, to be fair. Yeah, uh, and it, it's the same level of graphic violence, but about a peaceful guy <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of you know a young warrior finding his place. Uh, I think Apocalypto is a pretty good movie. I th- to be honest with you, I don't think even though I dislike them, I don't think he's made a bad movie. I think, like you say, I think he's a he's a good director. I just think. He likes violence. I think he's. I think he. Uh, he likes extreme violence in his movies, um, which is fine to an extent, but not like you say when you're telling the story of a conscientious objector. There's maybe times, maybe times to do something else. You know what I mean? Right. It, <laughs> so, I, 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 perhaps a different discussion. Yeah, should be made within the context of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if you saw some of that stuff just in the background, as opposed to look at this, you know, which is how it felt. Mm. <laughs> Get that camera in there. 
Uh, I mean, it was a lot of that. And I, I think if you did it in a slightly subtler way, that could be like an Oscar-worthy movie. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's the bad one. So don't don't see Hexaw Ridge unless you just want to see a bunch of people blow up. Um, and, and also rats eat them. That really does happen in the movie. <laughs> I, that was the point where I was like, really? I mean, I'm sure that happened, but like the second, like the first shot, I was like, ew. And the second shot, I was like, you're just showing this now. Mm. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, what was the good one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched this just last night and you, uh, commented on this cause I mentioned it on the Facebook, but I watched the villainess uh, oh, yeah. last night, which is a, uh, uh, South Korean kind of revenge action film in the style of an old boy. And in the movie certainly knows its reference points. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of like, um, I can never remember the name of the movie and I hate myself for not being able to re- remember it. Now, what's the one with it's, it's a, uh, is it Jane Fonda? Is it Jane, Jane Fonda? Is it Jane Fonda? You you keep talking it and I will find out. All right. Uh, note number one. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, it's not note number Jane Fonda. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably not. But anyway, so uh, it's the story of a, a a woman who grew up hard, Duncan. She grows up bad uh, and falls in with uh, like professional assassins and is trained all her life. And her husband ends up getting killed because of this drug deal thing. And also there's the thing with her father. And then she just like the first 10 minutes is her avenging her husband by rolling up into a building and just killing every last motherfucker. <laughs> in there. It is, it is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening, t- the opening 10 minutes and the closing, like 20 minutes of this movie are worth the price of admission. Um, but so anyway, she gets caught in kind of, uh, like after killing all these fools gets caught by another organization that's like, Hey, we can use you. You're going to come work for us now with the understanding that she can have, uh, the, both the baby that is in her from her husband who is now dead, presumably spoilers. Um, I mean, it's a South Korean action movie. Like, Oh my God, he's not dead. Um, so anyway, uh, but yeah, she's having a baby and she, she promises 10 years of service to this organization and then she can walk away. Um, and meanwhile, her handler, who's kind of in love with her, but he's her, a secret handler is her neighbor when she's out in the world. Anyway, a bunch of stuff happens. It's basically <laughs> an action movie. And, and on that level, um, there are three sequences in that film that are tremendous action sequences. Yeah. And I think that it, some of those action scenes are shot in a way that I don't know if I've ever seen quite like that. Yeah. And it, it like, there's something inventive about it. You can tell that the action sequences were choreographed and the editing. Oh my God, man. I mean, there were some whip pans to hide some of that stuff. But they're like that opening sequence when like you know you open in first person as, as you know the the character of uh Suki, I think is her name mm-hmm. um ju- is just rolling through this apartment building, much like the scene in old boy, which they again clearly are referencing, but only this time you're doing that scene from first person, and 
just murdering people. Oh yeah, it's it's super, it's hyper violent mm-hmm. in all the best possible ways. The reason yeah. it came to my attention is Arrow Video acquired the rights to release it in the UK, so I got the I got the Blu-ray right on its release date um, and watched it when I was off sick. Um, this is a movie I followed up right after the Lure. I watched the Lure and then right into the Villainess. Oh, and my that's brain a nice was, one too. My brain yeah. was fucked. School <laughs> was happening. Uh, but yeah, absolutely loved it. I am struggling to find the name of this movie. Um, I now know the name of the actress, though. I was. This is why I was getting confused right. with Jane Fonda. It's Bridget Fonda, who's Jane Fonda. Oh, are, are you talking about the La Femme Nikita yes. remake? Yes. Point of No Return, maybe? Is that what it's called? Is Something it called? like that. Point of No Return, let me see. Yes, Point of No Return. Yeah, so basically she is, you know, she is um, fake assassinated, uh, like lethal injection. She's, I think she's she's found guilty or something. There's a lethal injection, but which is fake, and then she's brought under. It's Gabriel Byrne brings her in and trains her to be an assassin as long as she does service to the organisation. And then she's put back out in the real world. That storyline, I was like, "All oh, right, that's that, that's the movie." It kind of reminded me of, just minus all the martial arts. So yeah, which are great in this. Oh, yes. uh, uh, so, I mean, it's it's kind of a slight movie, even as heavy as the themes in the film are. Uh, it, but it does feel like, well, this is a fairly routine action story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, that you know, you're there for the action sequences, and they. They are numerous enough and, and certainly satisfying enough that it, it's kind of an easy recommend of like, hey, did you like the raid? This isn't as good, but it's cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, which, by the way, there needs to be another raid movie. Well, he did originally say it was going to be a trilogy, but uh-huh. he's, I think he's since been dragged off to do other things, hasn't he? Yeah, I know. But, I mean, come on now. I, you can do all the monkey giant monkey movies you want, and I'm certainly on board for that. <laughs> but let's come let, back let's, and do the raid <laughs> right like the raid was great and the second one was even better yeah well he did see he did see envisage it as being a trilogy and it certainly finishes in a way which would set up the trilogy so um hopefully he will come back and uh, and give us what we want so. you know we made uh what was the movie we just made made happen uh that i'm i'm now forgetting a ghost dog that's right the ghost dog sequel we we willed into existence. Well, well, it's it's still it's it's still in the talky phase right now. But um, Rizza has come out and said, "I have you know me my good buddy Jim Jarmusch, which is just a weird combination." I I love it so much. It makes so much I, like it, if Lynch were sitting on the couch with him, that would not be surprised. Yeah, of course not. Uh, so Jim Jarmusch, uh, Forrest Whitaker, and the Rizza have been in discussions about the return of Ghost Dog. And I'm just like, nah, this is the greatest fucking, this is the greatest year to be alive. <laughs> yeah. For so many reasons. Uh, yeah, but, so we, we made that happen. Why mm-hmm. not this? We can do it, Bo. Let's well it into existence. Well, uh, well. Yeah. Raid, raid three for Bo and Duncan. Yep. That would be the subtitle and people would be like, I don't even know who those assholes are. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But Doesn't apparently... Matter. They look at someone. Look at look at this bitch in car fight scene. That's all you need. Look at the shady oh, thing. Man, ha- Hammer Girl is the greatest thing to happen <laughs> in movies. 
since Marlon Brando stuffed his cheeks for The Godfather. I may actually watch the day two today, honestly. <laughs> I've, been, I've It's been creeping up that, like, man, it's about time. Uh, <laughs> and the the sound of that aluminum bat, the, the fact oh, that the sound change, oh, the sound design in that movie is so good. So good. Um, speaking of sound design, Duncan. <laughs> right. The sound designer of... Uh, the show we speak of uh, this evening. <laughs> he says ham-fistedly. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, none other than David Lynch, who also, uh, just to say it one last time, uh, directed and co-wrote this episode along with uh, Mark Frost. Um, yeah. all, this 18, is... all 18 all 18 hours of Lynch as, I mean he doesn't do a movie for like the best part of a decade and then gives you 18 hours of TV I mean <laughs> I mean this show Duncan um, we are going places <laughs> we are going places matter of fact um, oh, oh are we ever the conversation here is going to be weighted in that we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about the ins and outs of episode 17. Episode 18 has maybe seemingly less action points to discuss, but that doesn't mean there is less things to discuss. Um, yeah, there's gonna, yeah, and there's going to be a heavy dose of interpretation to go along with this yeah. as we, we spin our, our crazy black lodge theories around because oh, yes. that's oh man we are just chock-a-block <laughs> with bls in these episodes so all right so episode uh 17 mm-hmm. the penultimate est- uh, episode of uh twin peaks the returnsies uh begins with uh gordon cole in uh the hotel room uh along with uh albert uh where you know diane has just been shot and then whooshed away yeah um to the black lodge where we discover she was of course manufactured and she is a tulpa uh just like doppel cooper only without the you know bob in <laughs> without the gnarly bob yeah without gnarly bob um, <laughs> I for, gnarly- for some reason i'm now thinking if we shove a martin on uh, after the word gnarly bob he could be a country singer well, also, Gnarly Bob uh, is uh, a great snack for hiking. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mixture of beef jerky pieces and Skittles. <laughs> Grab the Gnarly Bob, Dad would say. We're hiking up the mountain. Um, I was kind of, that was kind of amazing. And so, uh, but Gordon is saying, Hey, I couldn't shoot Diane. I couldn't do it, Albert. And, uh, and Albert kind of gives him the business about going soft. Oh, great line coming up. Great line. <laughs> great line. Not where it counts, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's so good. They're drinking a lot of wine in this show. And I had realized that since Twin Peaks second season finished, and the third season started, David Lynch now owns a, a, a vineyard. So I get the feeling that his love for coffee is still, you know, paramount, but his love for wine is now a bit more prominent. 
Well, sure. And also, if you could just be like, you know what I'm doing today? Getting day drunk on wine and directing myself. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? Too late. <laughs> Sounds like a, a, a pretty good day. Um, oh, yeah. But all right, so Gordon tells Albert that he's been hiding something from him for 25 years. Yeah, I kind so, of feel like this maybe should have came up earlier, but it's okay. <laughs> right, we we got to crack some eggs of knowledge on Albert now. And uh, so he says before he disappeared that uh, Major Briggs had revealed the existence of Jaude mm-hmm. or Judy. Yes, Judy. We are not talking about Judy. <laughs> we, are, we are not. A summer baby crying hard as me could cry. What could what I do? My baby's love was gone and left my baby blue. Nobody knew. There you go. Uh, just I, at, at a certain point, I gave up and just started enjoying it myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we're not talking about Judy, though. No, we are not talking about. Anyway, uh, ever. <laughs> It's almost Jeff Sessions. That's, uh, that's who I think uh, David Bowie was trying to be. <laughs> right. He, he Well, because he's out of time, is yeah. Philip Jeffries. And <laughs> he's out of time. He, he uh, much like a, a Vonnegut character. Um, <laughs> that is a callback to the smartest joke we ever had on this show. Yep. Um I don't think it's a smart the second time. Anyway, so, uh, but he says that um, everyone who's gone searching for Judy has gone missing, starting with Philip Jeffries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Jeffries went, he's gone. Uh, Aja Cooper, uh, on the all hot on the trail, he's gone. Uh, what's his face from uh, Chris Isaac from uh, Firewalk With Me? What was his name? A- uh, oh, fuck my hole. I can't remember. <laughs> I disappeared looking for Judy. <laughs> and, but anyway, he went missing too. Yeah. Oh, and we're getting a call back to that. Oh, shit. He also, he also, say, he also says that, um, like, once again, dropping, how does Gordon Cone roll this? Uh, but he also says that Philip Jeffries is no longer a human. And I'm like, how the fuck did you know this? Well, <laughs> I think it's certain... right, right. It's it's you know that proof of life thing when all you're, all you're getting out of Jeffries is puffs of smoke. You're like, <laughs> he ain't a person anymore. <laughs> he vapes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so Ray had sent a message that indicated that Doppelcooper was looking for coordinates from Major Briggs Mm -hmm. and that the message that he got from Cooper was that he had a plan to kill two birds with one stone, but uh, that they should have heard from Cooper by then. Yeah. And just then, he gets a call from the Las Vegas FBI, always low-key, that group. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Just chill. Um, who say that they found Dougie uh, Thurry, uh, <laughs> but he's not there anymore. Like, they got to the hospital, and Thurgy fucked off. 
And but Bushnell has a message that you know Agent Cooper gave him in the last episode. Gave him a message like, "Hey, when the FBI shows up, give him this." Mm-hmm. And uh, so Gordon is like, "Oh well, this is Agent Cooper then." Yeah, and I, I did no- like that line. He's like, "Dougie is Cooper." <laughs> Right. I'm like, all right. Um, <laughs> yes, David Lynch. We've known this for 16 hours. Uh, well, you know, FB, it's bureaucracy. The, the wheels turn slow. Um, and the, But the note says he's headed for Sheriff Truman's. And, oh, this is so good. And that it's 2.53 in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which adds up to 10, the number of completion. Mm-hmm. Mm. Duncan. Mm. 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 Um, Tammy then gets the lowdown on the attempts on Dougie's life and the electrocution and which how is, he's associated. Even, I like that. He's like, uh, he stuck a fork into an electric socket. <laughs> Rose Doll goes, yeah, that's even weird for, for Coop. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, but yeah, like all the, the, all the shit he's been down with the, uh, the Mitchums, like all that comes up. And then it's like, well, let's go to Twin Peaks and time to end the show. Um, <laughs> so, um, then we're we're kind of do some cutting back and forth because we head to the Twi- Twin Peaks Sheriff Department where the drunk uh, who keeps repeating shit mm-hmm. uh, is in the cell. Which, by the way, Chad is in cell number ten. The number of completion. The number of completion, boy. And so we hear a cell door open somewhere, and the drunk wakes up. And then we cut to Doppelcooper on the road. Yep, on the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Life I love is manufacturing Coopers Bob, I mean Cooper, can't wait to get on the road. <laughs> Bob, I mean Cooper. <laughs> Hi, pleasure to meet you. My name is Bob, I mean Cooper. Um, <laughs> um, do you wish to arm wrestle? Yeah, that, that seemed like a really important part of the story. I now have acquired a gang, and yes, we will be bringing it up later. Or we won't be bringing it up later in the show. Right, David says we're not bringing it up later in the show. Continue. I don't want to be your boss. Um <laughs> So, all right, so we cut to Naido back in the cell, and she's making high-pitched baby monkey sounds. Yeah, Bo is happy. I was. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm with you. Um, oh, you betcha. <laughs> oh, uh, but, all right, so her going, you know, all nutty in the cell wakes up James and Freddy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and Freddy's like, what's all this thing? And <laughs> what, what? <laughs> oh, I say, keep it down. Um, and I've got the giggles. I don't know why. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, we cut back to Ben, who's on the phone with police, uh, Ben Horn, yep. uh, at the great Northern. Uh, who's on the on the phone with cops in Wyoming who have found Jerry. Uh, and they showed up, and Jerry tells them that his binoculars killed somebody. 
Also, they say he needs clothes. He was not wearing a stitch when they picked him up. Yeah. Um, and there is uh, a little tease, some great Jerry stuff in Final Dossier. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I will, I will yeah. see that. I feel maybe for the purpose of moving it along, um, we should maybe, like we did in the season two, is we should maybe cap out when we're not going to see characters again. Just if you are following through with us just now, or for some reason listening to this without watching the show, why are you doing that? Just to kind of put kind of stop gaps on maybe to bring up unanswered questions that, that may appear in the shows. This is the last we hear of Jerry. Yes. Uh, the last we know of him is that he is in need of Ben's help because he has once again showed up nude. Yes. And been taken in by the police. Now, is this also the last we see of Ben then? Uh, I can't remember I seeing believe, him again after this. Yeah, I think that's it. Which means yeah. that we don't see Ashley Judd again. Nope, we don't. Her and her husband <laughs> and all that stuff. Who knows? It's just <laughs> just shit that happened in Twin Peaks. David Lynch, you're fucking awesome. I love you so much. Right. Well, but I mean, that's that is the tacit agreement yes. between Lynch and his audience. Yes, is like some of this stuff ain't gonna pay off, but it's there for texture or mood or whatever. Like you're, and these, you're things, following... yeah, these things go on regardless. And, or and, maybe and, they don't both. So. Yeah, right. Well, and and it doesn't go on forever. Like we had, what, a couple of scenes uh, revolving around her relationship with her husband over the course of 18 hours. And it's just a peek into the, you know, again, scratching the veneer of small town life to see yeah. what's lurking under the surface yeah. there. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some, some goodbyes being said here in a way that doesn't necessarily close the door on their story, <laughs> but, but kind of okay. Like, I don't need to necessarily see oh, Ben no, 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 no. Ashley Judd hook up. It's, like, it's like, like I see, okay, I like, but by this point, by this point, I think we're, yeah, if you, if you've made it through two seasons of Twin Peaks, one movie and 16 and a bit hours now of, of Twin Peaks Season 3. If you're hung up on this, then I, we can't help you. Right, and but that's the story of Season 2 as well. Like, there were story threads from Season 2, yeah. namely, like, something like Audrey, mm -hmm. that are addressed in this season, but not in a way that's... <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on right, that. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> don't even we'll get, get there. me started on that, Paul. Um... <laughs> We'll, we'll recap all that. Um, so, uh, all right. So back to daylight. Doppel Cooper uh, is pulling his truck over in the woods. Yeah, he's, he's got some coordinates and he's going to use a little bit of that magic that we love, Bo, um, to, to transport himself somewhere. Yeah, this is what what was it the Jackrabbit's Palace or whatever it was yep. uh, that Bobby Briggs had had led us to. Yes. Um and also that more importantly uh, possibly Major Briggs was certainly aware of the the value of that spot. So those th these are the coordinates. Mm -hmm. And um we get some crackling electricity and then a tree grows up from like the the murky pool that you may recall from the end of uh, season 2. Yes. Um and then a vortex appears overhead, and Doppel Cooper 
fucks off into another dimension. Yeah, this room's interesting. This feels <laughs> like he is getting a sneak into the White Lodge. This is what I thought as well. So it seems like not only not only does the Black Lodge have different ways in which you can enter, but the White Lodge also have different ways in which you can enter it. And he sneaks in, and we have uh, a giant black and white room with this gold horn shape in the the top, which we've seen many times now. Uh, the giant is in the the horizontal floaty position, um, basically with the giant screen behind him playing a scene of somewhere. Um, which will become more important soon. Um, and we have Major Briggs's giant floating head. Right, right. So his head is hanging out with the firemen in what is presumably the White Lodge. Yes. Uh, again, we're, we're we're making suppositions. None of this is is explicitly spelled out because. It, it, but it seems like yes, Doppel Cooper finds his way into there, and once they realize he's there he's kind of quickly expelled well yeah because you see his you see his face trapped in a box which has bars on it right and (laughs) that does happen in this show it's so good Uh, (laughs) and then a door creaks open and we see naido waking up in fear yes and then Suddenly, Doppelcooper is on the road just outside the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. Yep. He has so basically, lied. he gets spit out of the White Lodge to the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. And one c- can presume from here, Duncan, as we're con- con- continuing to speculate, because uh, what else can you do? Yeah. Um, I feel like the White Lodge spit him here because it was like okay well we this is where we've assembled our team yeah like our crack our crack group of white lodge pro good guy group yeah is all coming here Uh, yeah it it seems it seems like maybe the white lodge had this in and you know intricate plan which involved certain times certain places and yeah putting them there at the exact moment that everything is about to go down uh, I think it's no accident, Bo. Right, and... Oh, God, when we get in... All right, it, it's on the next episode, but if we get into the twisty and turny ways that maybe the White Lodge is, is trying to make the world a better place but can't quite get it right. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, Naito's freaking out. Uh, Andy sees Doppelcooper in the parking lot, and uh, Doppelcooper is sees him and you know and he's got the slick back hair and the leather jacket and whatnot and he just goes hello andy <laughs> and, and he's like agent cooper um uh, and so while meanwhile while that's happening up top down in the jail uh jail cells um chad oh fuck you chad oh fuck you so much chad um he he has a, a secret key for the cells in the uh, in the heel of his boot, mm-hmm. and um, so while that's going on, then we cut back to Andy, who's like, "Hey, Doppelcooper, come on in," <laughs> and and then Andy has like a flash of of him and Lucy in the sheriff station, kind of looking panicked and running around. Yeah, and it like they're like bad portents like andy's got that forrest gump magic where you can kind of sense uh 
evil. Yes. You know, because his other faculties are diminished. <laughs> and <laughs> was Forrest Gump magic? Maybe a little bit. Kind of. <laughs> Mama always said I'd know the touch of the devil. <laughs> Mama always said I'd be driven out of town on the rails. <laughs> practicing the dark lord's magic um <laughs> but i mean he met all those famous people and i guess you know maybe the point of the movie is that that's kind of fate and luck and whatnot but also maybe magic anyway. yeah i don't know um <laughs> I, I we'll look into it we'll do another show about that yeah um 18 hours <laughs> 18 hours exploring Close. is forrest gump magic um <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. So Chad is letting himself out of the cell. Mm -hmm. And then then we get Doppel Cooper, Andy, and uh, Frank. Like, you know, he's led into Frank's office. Doppel Cooper is. Um, And Andy's like, Agent Cooper, this is Sheriff Truman. And Frank is giving him, at first, kind of giving him the eye. Like, I don't know about this guy. Yeah. And we know something's up. Like, we, of course, know it's Doppel Cooper, but also he has offered coffee and turns it down. Yeah. And that ain't. Ooh. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Cardinal Sin. Uh, Yep. That is not Cooper you got on your hands there. That is something else. And then we come back to Chad, who has let himself out of his cell and is now loading a gun from his locker. Mm -hmm. And uh, Andy. Uh, has another one of his fugue states where he's just, oh, and very important, very important, and then fucks off. Yeah, he says that to to uh, Lucy, he, to, like, yeah. stressing that is very important, and then makes his way down to the cells. Right, because he's got four scump magic going on in his head, drawing him down the stairs, and uh, we see the drunk start peeling bandages off his face and digging his wound, and that's real gross. But weird. Weird. And then Andy shows up, and uh, Chad, fuck you, Chad, Chad. pulls his gun, and as he's approaching Andy, about to shoot him, Freddy, with his Hulk hand, Hulk smash, fucking smashes his cell door, and it flies open, knocks Chad out. And so that crisis is at least momentarily averted. Mm -hmm. But then we get a call upstairs with Lucy and uh, she's like, who is this? (laughs) And sends the call to Frank, Mm -hmm. who is just sitting across his desk, you know, in his office from Doppelcoop. The one and only. (laughs) Go ahead. Take the call. And so he does. Put the bunny down. (laughs) (laughs) you come at the king you best not miss (laughs) once you pop the fun don't stop (laughs) (laughs) that is what will be on doppel cooper's Once you poppers, the fun don't stoppers. <laughs> I, I, I feel like he would have done a popper or two. Oh. Uh, so, so, uh, 
I don't know why our impressions of are, are becoming more and more like uh, Ted Levine in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> I, I don't know, because it's easy. <laughs> Frank, are you a great big fat person? <laughs> <laughs> Precious. Uh, Put the fucking tulpa in a basket. <laughs> the tulpa in the basket. <laughs> oh, yes. My life is not complete. <laughs> Always comes back to Silence of the Lambs. I've said, I've said it before. It, it's one of the greatest movies ever. It's, it's the linchpin for the show for some reason. Our unofficial mascot. Yeah. <laughs> Taffy Jet Nippers, doesn't it, ma'am? <laughs> it, it, it's because they said he skins his homes. Um. <laughs> so anyway, yes. Sorry. Uh, yes. Frank gets the call. Yeah. So Frank is on the phone, and it, like he's doing one of them things where like he's looking at Doppel Cooper, and he's talking on the phone. He's just like, uh huh. Yeah. Cooper, you say? Because <laughs> Cooper's like, ha Harry, and he's like, no, this is Frankie's brother. He's like, all right, um, get the coffee on. I'm almost there. You know, I'm just entering city limits. Um. And they're like, all right, like this. And Doppel Cooper, he ain't no Philbo. He knows when shit's going down. And uh, you talking to that other Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't believe his lies. Um, he, he starts to he starts to kind of fumbly reach for his gun, but you know he shoots. He catches Frank's hat, which does a comical whoop. <laughs> kind of thing that yeah that's pretty great yeah, thanks david lynch uh but he gets shot double cooper gets Doppel, shot. yeah double cooper gets smoked from behind yep by none other than lucy lucy who man there is a payoff to a joke that i didn't think was all that great and now i think is amazing i think it's amazing as well when after she shoots doppel cooper Right after talking to Agent Cooper on the phone, mm-hmm. she says, now I finally understand cellular telephones. Yes. And which is a callback to a gag from what, like episode two? Yeah, I think it's the first time we saw Lucy season, where so, she did yeah. that comical fall off a chair when she didn't understand how cell phones work. Uh, so, it, oh, it's... That's the long you know, con, that joke. The long man, con. <laughs> And Lynch, I trust. You know, like so. That's that's the things. The things that pay off are incredibly satisfying, and the things that don't, I'm kind of fine with. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the, I, you tag me with a a callback to a joke that I thought was kind of dumb, if memorable, uh, and 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 make me love it. I mean, this is that's, like in some respects, this is the last hurrah for a few characters in the sheriff's office and sure Andy gets to help save the day downstairs. Lucy gets to help save the day upstairs to an extent. These are two characters that are being kind of fringe goofiness, comic relief for most of the run of Twin Peaks. And I like the way that David Lynch and Mark Frost give these characters a swan song. I think it's, I think it's fitting. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, Okay, so now that Lucy has uh, shot Doppel Cooper like a coward from behind. (laughs) 
<laughs> just like, like it's a great swan song yeah she's shot like a bitch <laughs> like a y- yellow bellied coward um no because yeah this is the last time we're gonna see like you know andy and lucy and frank yeah and uh so doppel cooper uh is down hawk shows up in time <laughs> just to see everybody go. i'm not gonna get many more of these so let the eagle fly oh. <laughs> don't do that never do that sorry sorry that's the the anti-hawk really yeah. <laughs> um the doppelhawk doppelhawk who would just be just as equally as awesome right but would would like could call backwards he would be like hawk hawk <laughs> You're not going to have to reverse that sounder. I know. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like, <laughs> oh, I wonder. I think I could do that. Uh, we'll see, listeners. So, <laughs> if you didn't hear it, I couldn't figure it out. Um, Keep on. <laughs> so, so everyone's now hip to the fact that Doppel Cooper is not Cooper. Yeah. Like even like as surreal as it all is, everybody's like that ain't Cooper. And, and then I, shit starts flickering. Yeah, I was about to say they're all they're all hip to that ball, and then shit gets weird. Right, and then and then things get odd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as if this this like <laughs> this evil lookalike, evil clone of your beloved friend isn't the weird bit. Him getting shot and then the lights flickering and then the return of the log man. Yes, right. Out popped the the lumber ghosts to smear some more blood around on on Doppel Cooper, mm-hmm. and as this is happening, Cooper arrives just in the nick of time. Uh huh. I'm here to save the day, and then out of Doppel Cooper comes the Bob Ball. <laughs> Bob Ball, yes, and. That we kind of saw a hint of, you know, way back when he, uh, when Ray Monroe shot him. Yeah. And, but apparently it got, like, crammed back into him, so he was cool. Yeah. But this time, Bob Ball is free and loose. <laughs> Bob Ball. And. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 2017 Bob Ball. I am one of your commentators, Duncan McLeish from Duncan and Bo Concrete. I'm John by Bo Rans, the Hyde and Bo. I'll tell you, I can't wait to get my hands on all that Garmin Bogio that we're sure to see tonight. Yes, sir. Let's rock. <laughs> we ought to do that show. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is amazing. So, the Bob Ball <laughs> Hadoukens around the room. <laughs> Dude, he's Hadouken. Yeah, it was Hadouken. The place for him, Dude, he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this. it it is just his like head in a ball, <laughs> like a langolier or something, and uh, so it goes after Freddy, kind of chewing him up, much like the thing in the. Hey, you remember that thing in a glass case? Which we will have an answer to in the next episode, so we're okay, Bob, won't we? Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 all right. As long as we as um, long as we get to see Judy, I'll be quite happy. Oh, right. Sure. Uh, it, yeah, be fine. Be we, don't, fine. we don't talk about her anyway, so that's fine. 
We don't talk about Judy. <laughs> I don't even know what that voice is. I love it. Uh, it's like it's like a. <laughs> it's the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the old. It like it's the guy that, that would be the uh, southern equivalent of like Crazy Frank yeah. or Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph. Like to to tell you that the blood curse is there's a blood curse. <laughs> don't go to that lake. <laughs> Trout bite. <laughs> Shoot. Nibble. Uh, um, so anyway, so the Bob Balls Hadoukening around and Freddy uh, gets, you know, super powered glove ready because this is the destiny that he has been called by the White Lodge mm-hmm. to Twin Peaks 4 is to punch evil in the face. <laughs> and Hard. Yeah, and so he punches him, and the Bob Ball is like, <laughs> like skitters away, but it's still floating around. And then uh, the second punch that he gives, because the thing's sweeping around him, and Freddy like punches the Bob Ball, mm-hmm. and then a column of fire shoots up, but the ball floats out of that, and then it attacks Freddy again. And this time, Freddy punches it and shatters it. And then the ball fragments just disappear into the ceiling. So, like, the Bob Ball has been shattered by Hulk hands. Yeah, which I don't know if that actually means Bob is now dead. Or or just banished from this plane or something. Or whatever, but he seems to be gone. Yeah. And, And then Cooper places the Jade Ring... On Doppel Cooper's hand, who fades away. Yeah. And then we just see inside the Black Lodge, we just see the ring clatter to the floor. Yeah. And there endeth Doppel Cooper and Bob. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I love the fact that the, the, <laughs> the Mitchum brothers are standing there and one of them turns around and goes, one for the grandkids. <laughs> so- <laughs> Right, yeah, everyone does acknowledge, like, that was some crazy shit, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not done. No, okay. this is what we call the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gents. Right, because from here, things take a turn for the weird. Um, yes, we've not used the word weird in a while. Sure, I mean, must be upwards of five minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cooper asks uh, for his old room key at the Great Northern. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, was mailed by Jade. Oh, she gives two rides. Jade gives two rides. The target. I missed Dundee. Oh, I do already, man. I mean, people complain about how much Dergy there was. I don't. <laughs> I, I thought that character was a lot of fun and, and real silly and great. Um, so, anyway. Um, but... So the the key that Jade mailed to the Great Northern and then was passed over to Frank, mm-hmm. uh, well, he, that is now given to Cooper. Yeah, and Cooper notes that, you know, things are all happening for a specific reason and they're all there together and any second Cooper will be here and then Cooper comes, not Cooper, uh, Cole, Cole arrives with Tammy and uh, with Albert in tow, and they greet each other. 
as you do. Yes. And then Naido kind of stands up and she walks towards them and then her face goes a bit crazy. Yep. Uh, she presses her hand to Cooper's and he kind of like has that memory mm-hmm. of seeing her, you know, in his trip through dimensions and her face burns into a vision of the black lodge yep. and then splits open. And guess what? Naido was actually Diane this whole time. Yeah, the the Diane, the real Diane, not the fake Diane that we had for most of the show. Yeah, she had been somehow like locked into this other form. Yeah. By presumably Doppelcooper. Yep. At all. (laughs) And and then, you know, while her uh, manufactured Tulpa was roaming around doing bad shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and Cooper, once he's standing in front of Diane, they kiss and, you know, you, as you may recall, like you, uh, doppel Diane said that the first time she kissed doppel Cooper, she knew it wasn't the real Cooper, yes. which is probably true. I think, you so, know, yeah. like, the, and, and so, uh, when they kiss here, it seems like, oh, everything's cool. Like this is the real Cooper. This is the real Diane. Yeah. And, uh, she, he asks if she remembers everything and she says, yes. And we also knows that the clock is stuck at two fifty three. Yes. The time of completion. <laughs> the, two, the time of completion. Uh, and meanwhile, meanwhile, let's wrap her up. <laughs> yeah. If, if the show ended here, then we would be not as rich as we are now with all the crazy that's about to come. Because while all this is happening, Cooper's face is superimposed. Yes. All over we, this. And Diane also says that this is a dream. Yes. We live inside a dream. Yeah. Which, once again, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and and then he just looks at everybody uh, in the room and, just, and Agent Cooper says, I hope I see all of you again. Yep. And then Diane, Cooper, and Gordon are just walking in the dark. Yep. And we and we can still see Agent Cooper's face superimposed on everything. Yep. <laughs> and it looks like the boiler room that James was working as a security guard, which I learned is the Great Northern's boiler room. Ah, nice. And so they're roaming through there. Yeah, it's almost as if, because they go through the boiler room, they go up to Agent Cooper's room. Yes. With the key, but it looks like they are in Silent Hill because everything is decayed and old as shit. Yeah, and it is, so he uses the key to unlock a door, and then he says, "No, nobody should follow me." Mm-hmm. And then he says, "See you at the curtain call." Yes. And then he steps inside, closing the door behind him. Yeah, and he is met by Mike, one arm Mike, yeah. who is no longer uh, talking backwards. Yep, but he says one of the more rocking things. Yeah, I got chills. Ready. I got chills when this got mentioned. I actually got like literal chills. I was like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened." <sighs> so Mike says, in in a normal speaking voice, mm-hmm. "Through the darkness of future past, the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds. Fire, walk with me." <sighs> 
I got chills again. It's so good. <sighs> and then, all right, so we hear some electricity crackling. Yep. And then we see their images start getting juxtaposed and lights flash and everything's crazy. And then they're walking and it's it's Cooper following Mike. And we know this place because we have walked this way with Doppelcoop like literally two episodes before. Right. This seems to be the motel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're going up this that same creaking staircase. And then they're outside in the, the lot. Mm-hmm. And Mike is leading Cooper to Jeffrey. Yes. And so Cooper is now confronted with Tea Kettle Jeffries. <laughs> hey. Hi, y'all. <laughs> I'm just going to do a little puff of smoke. <laughs> toot, toot. Um, that spells something. Sometimes it does. Um, so. So dumb. And uh, so Cooper asks about a specific date in 1999 yeah. or 1989, which is when he would have gone missing. Mm-hmm. Jeffries. And Jeffrey says, I'll show you where you can find Judy. And we don't talk about he, Judy, boy. We don't talk about her. It's real hush hush. <laughs> um <laughs> this voice now at the end i don't know it always happens like that we'll we'll do it all again <laughs> um it, we'll do it we'll do it better next time it's <laughs> so but it's a symbol from like the map of the like way back in in season two when they're trying to find the the black yeah one. it's the symbol that they uh, use for owl and twin peaks Right, and it and it kind of warps around, and then it kind of forms like either an eight or kind of an infinity sign. Yeah, I thought it was an infinity. Yeah, that's kind of what I took it to be. And then Jeffrey says, "Hey, y'all, remember electricity?" Yeah, and which he really does. He says, "Remember electricity?" Yeah, and and then we see James leaving with Laura. Way back in, you know, before she died, mm-hmm. the night of her death, uh, with Leland looking out the window, being like creepy, bobbly, yeah. Leland was just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm gonna kill her. Um, <laughs> and now a little song, because <laughs> um, he's a natural performer. Yeah. Um, so. But Cooper is kind of watching this scene unfold with Laura and James before she runs off to her fate. But then Laura sees him. Then, and I'm like, all of a sudden, like Cooper's just in the woods with Laura Palmer on the night of her murder. But it's Cooper of the present question mark. Yeah. um, (laughs) With the Laura of the night of her murder, not the one in the black lodge. And, or are they one and the same? I don't know. We'll get into it. Um, and so we see Laura, like she sees something, but, but keeps going. And then we see the scene of her, like jumping off the bike and the whole scene where she says that she loves him and then runs off. And then she runs straight into Cooper. And she says that she's seen him in a dream. Mm -hmm. And then we see, a glimpse of her body 
wrapped in plastic. Only we hear that static crackle and then it disappears. Mm -hmm. And then Cooper says, let me take you home. And then we see the opening scenes of the first episode of Twin Peaks, where it's Josie Packard doing her makeup in the mirror Mm -hmm. and Pete's going fishing. Except there's no body. Yeah. And then we cut to the Palmer house and presumably the timeline that we've been in where Sarah Palmer is crazy and living alone (laughs) and drinking and smoking and can tear off her face and rip people's heads off. Yeah, I'm glad we get an explanation of that as well. Oh, yeah, it's all, (laughs) you know. One nice neat bow. Bow. Um. Uh, yeah, this all, all make perfect sense by the end of the next episode. But she's smashing a picture, like the picture of Laura Palmer, the the kind of homecoming picture, j- with a hammer just over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Cooper, who is guiding young Laura through the woods. And there's a rush of wind, and we hear Laura scream. Yeah. And then we just fade into a a static shot of the Black Lodge. Yep. That is episode 17. (laughs) Pretty effing good. I like, I will say you can lodge arguments about how tidily like Doppel Cooper and whatnot is cleaned up in this episode. Uh, I would say that is not the point. Yeah, I would also say that once again we're looking at this show as a as a TV show because it it's been marketed that way. But David Lynch himself has said that you know you should view it as a movie, and I'm fine with Cooper's you know double Cooper's journey up to be shot because he's the, he's only the vessel. The the important thing is what's inside the vessel, and Bob does not go quietly. <laughs> no, no, no. He yeah, Bob Ball. He, bounces around bob ball no joke i mean in the world of murderous balls it's pretty much <laughs> phantasm balls bob ball giant critter ball giant critter ball also that would be three i would say bob ball more dangerous than the critter ball i would agree so uh for those at home as always no wagering um <laughs> So yeah, I I didn't have I had no issue with how Doppelcoop was dispatched at all. I thought it felt it felt timely. It felt good. We moved the story on, and once again, like all things in Twin Peaks and David Lynch, we take a story as far as we need to, and then we move on to something far more interesting. Well, all right, but and here's the thing, and 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 you know we'll get deeper into it when we're talking about uh, the next episode. But as I finished this episode, I remembered thinking very distinctly, you've ended the story of season three. Yeah. And so whatever comes next, like whatever is going on with Cooper and Laura Palmer in the woods is a different animal entirely. Yep. Like we're setting the stage for like, another season maybe but but it certainly opens the door to some possibility and i have my own theories that we'll get into uh as well but first duncan mm-hmm. before we jump into the final episode of twin peaks maybe ever yes 
yeah, we should take a little break. Going to do a little ad. We're going to come back. We're going to finish our journey through uh, all of Twin Peaks. Every last damn episode wraps up right after this break. I'm Cootie. My name is X. And I'm Chef Al. And we're your hosts on the Kiss the Goat podcast. On our show, we're going to break down some of your favorite devil movies from the past 50 years. We also drink and talk about religion. Which is a terrible idea. That is a great idea. And I'm going to give you some great recipe ideas to go along with the movies that we've been watching. We also answer questions from our listeners on every single episode. And I also frankly discuss my sex life at really inappropriate times. She does! I do! It's the thing! I tell terrible jokes saying what I'm drunk. And I haven't been paid yet. They said they would pay me, and they, uh... Kiss the Goat! Exclusively on the Legion Network of Podcasts. Uh, seriously? Can I get some money? Just do the job, Al. Duncan, the very last episode of Twin Peaks we have to cover... Uh, opens on Doppelcooper, uh, on fire <laughs> in the waiting room, which is the most guitar solo shit that has happened yet on this show. Uh, it evokes so many memories of previous penalties in the, the black room. I, I do remember our, our good buddy, uh, from season two, the villain, what was his name again? Wendemero yeah, yeah. got kind of scorched <laughs> a little bit by lightning. Um, so yeah, the, the the Black Lodge it knows how to pay out penalties for those that trans uh, transgress. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's just you know, I won't let you down. <laughs> Freedom goes up like the jacket. Is my point. <laughs> um, so. After he zips away, and here's where I get to gloat a little bit. Oh, okay. glow away, sir. Uh, so, uh, Mike takes the seed mm-hmm. from that tulpa and then feeds it the hair that Agent Cooper, well, he kind of puts the the seed on top of the hair, and the seed just goes, nom, 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 and eats it. <laughs> and then Mike says, electricity. And... Bada bing, bada boom, new doggy. There is a new doggy, and that new doggy is on his way home to Sunny Jim and a little Janie. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, new doggy, uh, is he a doggy? Maybe. <laughs> but he ret- he returns. Uh, like, the, the evidence initially seems to suggest, hey, maybe he's a little bit better. Yeah. He certainly looks better. He's not, like, as schlubby as other doggy was. And when uh, they throw open the door and there he stands and Janie E and Sonny Jim hug him. And this is the last time we'll see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dougie says home. Yeah. And it's really sweet. It's like, yeah, that you know, Agent Cooper looking out for Janie E and Sonny Jim like, hey, I can't be there because I got space time continuum shit to do. <laughs> but... Have have a Dougie on me. <laughs> and you can have a Dougie, and you get a Dougie, and you get a Dougie, and you get a Dougie. Oh, I think I would love a Dougie. Yeah, every house should have a Dougie. Yeah. Hi. 
Dougie, what's the temperature today? Hot! <laughs> it's it's cold and rainy outside. There? There? Uh, yeah. He'd be terrible. Like, but it would be charming. Um, all right. So we say goodbye to uh, Dergy and, and Sonny Jim and Jamie. Yeah. We should also, once again, underline that we have also said goodbye to Hawk. Ka-ka! We'll say goodbye to Truman, to Andy, to Lucy, to the Mitchums, to the three glorious pink clad outfit. Um, Mandy, Candy, and Sandy. Yeah, we're saying goodbye to them as well. Uh, but we're actually at this point saying goodbye to Twin Peaks uh, and goodbye to the world, actually. We're saying goodbye to Earthfall. <laughs> yeah, we're, we are saying goodbye to the knowable universe. Um, <laughs> and Because we, we get a repeat of the scene of Agent Cooper leading Laura by the hand through the woods and there's the, the uh, crackling sound and she's gone. Yeah. And then we hear the whooshing and Laura screaming, and then it it's suddenly done. And now Dale is back in the Black Lot. Back where, right back to the very beginning of season three. Yes, and where it's Mike saying, "Is it future or is it past?" And then Mike disappears, and then reappears after a moment, like. Waving uh, Cooper out of the out, out of the waiting room there, and then we're back in yeah the season finale territory yeah. where uh, where we're visiting the evolution of the arm, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like, is it the story of the little girl who lived down the lane? Is it? <laughs> and, and and so that's kind of the question, right? Is like, okay, is this Laura's story? Is this Laura's dream? Because Diane, well, we'll get to her. But uh, anyway, so, but is this, you know, that, that's that been the recurring theme of this whole season is this is all a dream. Yeah. Um, but who is the dreamer? And this seems to be asking the question, is Laura the dreamer of this dream? Mm-hmm. Is, is she, in all essence, our protagonist? Is that who we're here to save? Um, so... We cut back to her, to her, to Laura, whispering something to Agent Cooper. And we get a reaction this time. Like, the first time we didn't get a reaction. Um, right. And But it, he kind of looks like he's moving a little Black Lodge style there, but maybe it's just the way he's moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm so, like, deep down the rabbit hole, I'm just like, what is, all right, is, where are we and which... Anyway, so... Um, but all right, so he goes into a room where Leland Palmer is, mm-hmm. who tells him to find Laura, and again looks remorseful. Uh, I think, um, and then Dale keeps trucking. But then Agent Cooper it turns out has some Black Lodge magic of his own now, where he kind of does a thing where he wiggles his his hand, mm-hmm. and one patch of the curtains flutters like he he's got uh, one of them navigator guides and video games where you hit the button and it's like oh go this way. <laughs> Um, but he's got one of them for the Black Lodge and he finds a grove of leafless trees where Diane is. Yeah. He, he exits the curtain call. He exits the curtains. Uh, right. Here's the curtain call. And she asks, is it you? Is it really you? And he says, yes, it's really me, Diane. 
And then he asks her the same, and she says, yes, it's really me. And then the curtains fade out, and we're back at, like, the Ghostwood. Yeah, Glastonbury Grove. Yeah. So we're out of the Black Lodge. Diane and, and, and Agent Cooper out successfully out of the Black Lodge. Yes. But, Duncan, mm-hmm. we haven't saved Laura. We have not saved the person that looks like Laura. Yes. Who is Laura. <laughs> who almost certainly is Laura. Yep. But maybe not. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we've got this rabbit hole to go down as well now. Um, so, so, yeah, so we we follow uh, Cooper and Diane in a car, driving away, and in classic Lynch fashion, we get elongated scenes of driving with not a lot of dialogue. Not a lot of dialogue. Yes. Um, and they continue driving along for a little while, and... Uh, Cooper decides that he is going to save the day, Bo? Well, his plan is to kind of go back in. Yeah. And he finds the spot, you know, for exactly 430 miles, um, where there, he's got to be at the right spot at the right time, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And there's a transformer nearby. Like, we got our spot. Yeah, but it's also, uh, it's this also worth this adding credence to the, the fact that Cooper now seems to be Black Lodge infused. He, well, or, or like maybe like Jeffries in that he now yeah. has some sort of a precognition towards the powers of the Black and White Lodge. Well, and much like Jeffries, in fact, we'll talk about the parallel between those two characters oh, yes. towards the end. But yeah, I think much like Jeffries is now feeling more confident in traveling into and out of the Black Lodge. Uh, Much like, you know, uh, Major Briggs, you know, kind of escaping into the White Lodge. Yeah. uh, For those 25 years. So anyway, well, so much, so much. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) she... uh, Diane is like, hey, I want you to think about this before you decide you're going to... She doesn't say you're going to go back. But she says, you need to think about what you're doing. And... But Agent Cooper is like, this is the place. Um, And then he asks if he can kiss her. Because the way he puts it is, once we cross, it could all be different. Yeah. And they kiss again. And then she says, let's go. Notably not let's rock. (laughs) well she says let's rock like our conspiracy theories would have blown up oh I know Diana's Uh, the arm (laughs) she is the evolution of Mike's arm she is the doppel evolution of Mike's arm Um, a tulpa of Mike's arm Um, but so they start to creep forward again in the car and things get all fuzzy And then they're driving fast on a road at mm-hmm. night. And they drive on in silence. And then we fade out. Yeah. Now, we cut to the Pear Blossom Motel. Yes. And this is the 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 motel that we have seen before. Mm-hmm. Only it is a different version 
it is not necessarily in the Black Lodge, but perhaps some... Like, this is where we get into, did they pass into the Black Lodge, or did they just pass via the Black Lodge into another timeline? Or another dimension. Or another dimension, yeah. Yeah, that is similar to ours, but not the same. And... Uh, I mean, these are all fine questions. We don't have <laughs> yeah, answers yeah. To If this. you're looking for answers, we don't have any, though. Um, yeah, but uh, the conjecture, my conjecture is this is a different, ju- it is a different dimension. It's a, a, a different world that sits alongside ours. Well, that- yeah, well, there's there's a, a bit of evidence that says that the, the hotel they go into is not the same hotel they come out of, because... Well, yeah, yes, we'll exactly. Oh. <laughs> Man, there is so much like Lost Highway shit. That is, literally on. becomes Lost Highway, which is like, it was the bit that I was fist bumping in the air. I was like, you fucking son of a bitch, David Lynch. I love you so much. Yeah, it does. It does right, exactly. So, it becomes Lost Highway in Mulholland Drive. Yes. And because, again, this is every David Lynch Everyone. movie. In, in these two episodes, every single one is represented. Um, so... At this motel, like, it takes Cooper a minute to come out. Like, Diane's getting antsy. And then they he does finally come out of the, the office, and they get a room, and they start fucking. Yeah. <laughs> and it it's this weird and awkward kind of, like, he's just staring yeah. at her, and as she's riding yeah. him. And we get a little Laura Dern nipple, which is... Yeah, I got a round of applause for me. I I was like, well, I remember Wild at Heart all over again. Uh, For whatever reason, uh, David Lynch is like, hey, Laura, let's see him. (laughs) And she's like, okay, here you go, David. (laughs) Um, So you never ask. Um, (laughs) Right. But then... She she starts like pawing at his face and covering yeah. it, and starts crying. Yeah, because it's almost as if she doesn't know who she's sleeping with. Yeah, and but she keeps going through with it, and then and my other note in this scene is that Laura Dern should win everything. Oh yeah, she's fucking like, amazing. Uh, seeing seeing the expressions go across her face from initially passion to. Like confusion to disgust to sorrow. I mean, it's just it's incredible scene. And so the next morning, like uh, you know, we we go out on that miserable <laughs> scene, and then Agent Cooper wakes up in the next morning, and she's gone. And there's a note on the table that begins, "Dear Richard, when you read this, I'll be gone," and it's saying, you know, it's all over and yada yada. But she signs it Lynn. No, Bo. We have heard these names. Yeah, Duncan. granted, it was 17 episodes ago. Absolutely. But we were told by the fireman, mm-hmm. if I'm not no, mistaken. No, it wasn't fireman, you're right. Uh, that uh, to remember Richard and Said Linda. that the key to understanding would be the names Richard and Linda. Yes. So that key seems to be that in whatever world they've crossed over into, that they are different people. Yeah. 
and uh, inhabiting these other identities. And for Agent Cooper, he still recalls who he yes. is. Yes. Diane has succumbed to this world where she now thinks she's someone named Linda who has this whole other Mm -hmm. life. But when he comes out, like you said, we're in a different hotel entire or motel, different motel and he gets into a different car. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, so like, it's like this world is just starting to affect things like where he is, what he drives, all that stuff. Like he's starting to slip into this world. And Dale is trucking through Odessa and he sees a diner, like a coffee shop diner place called Judy's. We don't talk about Judy. We ain't going to talk about her. Although I hear that coffee's really bad. (laughs) Um, Try to pash. (laughs) Oh, I was naughty. I talked about her. Uh, (laughs) So... (laughs) Ancient Cooper stops, takes a seat inside, and he he sees the one waitress, and he's like, is there another waitress who works here? And uh, the waitress on duty says, well, it's her day off. And then she kind of, you know, backhandedly is like, it's her third day off. And there are some local yokels at the next table who start giving the waitress the mm-hmm. business. And Agent Cooper can't let that stand. No. And so he tells him to back off, and one of those assholes pulls a gun on him. Ricky move. And, and then Agent Cooper handles business. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, not only does he disarm <laughs> disarm the guy, take the gun off him, kick him squaw in the balls, <laughs> some full pelt in the ballocks, bringing that guy down. He then spins the gun round before the other guy can draw his gun and shoot the guy in the fucking foot. And then just takes the, the puts a gun on the third guy. He's like, "That, uh, please remove your weapon." The guy's like, "I don't have a gun." And he's like, "Yeah, take, disarm yourself. Get rid of the weapon." <laughs> it's just like taking no shit, bo. Oh, uh-huh. so good. I mean, I, in fairness, Agent Cooper has been traveling through space and time. Not in. Yeah, the he's not. In the, yeah, he's still like his. The love of his life, his Diane, thinks she's a woman called Linda and she's disappeared. And this ain't the hotel that he was sleeping in last night and that's not his car. Right, and he is just clinging to anything to try to find some clue to lead him back to something. And uh, so Dale then tells the waitress to write down the other waitress's address, puts the other guy's guns in the fryer... Which is a great moment where he's like, hey, how do, how do you take this rack out? <laughs> and she, the waitress is like, well, you, you hang it on the little out, outcropping there. He's like, okay. And then drops the guns in the fryer. And it's like, I, I don't know how hot this is, but I wouldn't want to be standing near it if those bullets go yeah. off. Um, he really is like a just a renegade uh-huh. in this scene. But anyway, he stalks out gun in hand like a crazy person. Uh, and, and drives to this address, which is this small kind of ranch style house. That's all beat to shit. Um, the number on this one is 1516. I just make a note of this cause I'm sure it means something. <laughs> and there's a, there's a six on a nearby pole, but we saw before and there's a trans. Yes. Uh, back with, uh, white magic, mm-hmm. Carl, uh, white lodge, Carl. And, um, 
there's also one of one of those power transformers just humming right over his head and it's like well this has got to be the place <laughs> the, right this sure seems all black lodge shit and he goes up to the door knocks on the door and holy shit laura palmer opens yeah the door. alive and well laura palmer. yeah w- waiting well but, as well <laughs> y- yes but it ain't laura palmer according no to her. her name's Caddy. Her name is Carrie Page. Mm-hmm. And he says, look, I need, I, I think I need to take you home. Uh, back to, back to your mother's home. And she basically says like, I never would do this under ordinary circumstances, but I kind of need to get out of town for a couple of days. Yeah. And we see the reason for that. Potentially. Yeah. She killed a man. Bull. <laughs> Right, is that there is a dude sitting in a chair with a bullet hole in his head, and he's been there a couple yeah. of days. Yeah, one, one would assume three days. <laughs> That's why she's not yes. going to work. Sure adds up. <laughs> um, notably, there is a statue of a white horse. I did notice that, actually. Against a blue plate uh-huh. on the mantle. Yeah. The only thing on the mantle. The blue rose bowl. So, blue rose. Uh, ain't it though? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carrie has clearly been into some shit. But and and here's the thing that's so so crazy about this is that we finally get to see Agent Cooper and Laura Palmer together yep. outside the Black Lodge. We see these characters together after you know a quarter of a mm-hmm. century. And it's completely not how we expected it. And it's not even the same character question mark. And I mean, this goes back to you in some ways, your complaint about the Zawalski guy showing up and killing uh, Hutch and (laughs) Yeah. Of like of Lynch saying like, I know where you think this might go, but I'm going to take you a completely different direction that you never mm. thought. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. And here, like this is so lost highway. It, it just blows. Yeah, of course it is. The, these are, these are things that Lynch has explored in more than one movie before. And so we're, we're doing a, like a road trip where Carrie slash Laura get some shit in her car and agent Cooper in fairness, doesn't give her a lot of back talk about that. No. body. We don't get a whole lot of chatter about <laughs> yeah. that. He's off G. Oh, he's off G. And the, the other note I had at this moment was like, man, there are 20 minutes left in this episode uh-huh. of twin peaks ever. And this is where yep. we are. It's, I mean, it was one of those things of like, I have no idea where this is going to end. Like I thought I knew I where think- it was going and, yeah, right. I was wrong. <laughs> I I I agree. I agree. Um so in the car they're they're driving at night, but in a weird juxtaposition, this is one of those times where we actually see like traffic on the yep. road. It's not just the lonely cones cutting through the darkness. It's like actual lights passing by us and it it seems somehow different mm-hmm. than the world of Twin Peaks. Uh, and who, who is the dream <laughs> and what is the dream? Um, is twin peaks, the dream, and this is the real. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So 
uh, now that uh, for a second they think that they're being followed, and but then that goes away. They're they're alone on the highway. They stop at a gas station, and the whole thing is just these long scenes of them not talking yeah. and and driving in the darkness, building this really unsettling mood, and then all of a sudden we're back in Twin Peaks, and. Agent Cooper is asking her, like, do you recognize anything? Is anything familiar? And she's like, no, I don't, I don't know any mm-hmm. of this. And then he takes her to the Palmer house. And he leads Laura to the door. And a woman who isn't Sarah Palmer opens <laughs> You don't up. look like Sarah. <laughs> you don't look like Sarah. And that was Laura's mom. <laughs> I knew both of them a lot. <laughs> um, like when people, like when you see somebody a lot and you know them, that's how I was with Laura and her mom. Her name was Sarah. <laughs> uh, you had some baloney. <laughs> anyway, so, so, uh, Agent Cooper is grilling this, this woman like, Hey, do you do you know Sarah Palmer? And she's like, I don't know who the fuck you're talking about, mm-hmm. man. And then he says, Well, how long have you lived here? And she's like, Well, I've lived here for a few years. And who owned it before? And uh, she says, Well, Mrs. Chalfont, which is a name we would recognize, yep. Duncan, because that is the name of the old yep, woman the one with the magic grandson, with the magic grandson and the handful of Garmin Bosia. Um, back at the fat trout. Um, so that's immediately like, Oh, there's some black blood shit going Mm -hmm. on. And then. So. (laughs) Cause we're almost done. There's, there's so little show left, but so this woman is like, I don't know who you people are. I don't know who Sarah Palmer is. Uh, Sarah Palmer slash Carrie is like, I don't know who this woman is. I don't know this house. And then Agent Cooper sa- starts asking, what year is yeah. this? Which the last time we heard that, Duncan, was was back in Firewalk with yep. me. Philip Jeffries. Philip Jeffries asked the same question. Yes. Because it turns out you start fucking with Black Lodge, Black Lodge fuck right yep. back. And you get put all kinds of places. Mm-hmm. So then... Laura looks at the house and screams. Yeah, if you listen very, very carefully, Mo, uh, I had to do this again when uh, I was uh, doing minutes, but if you listen very, very carefully, there is a whisper that says, Laura. And then she seems to, my, my prevailing theory is when that whisper comes to her, she somehow almost kind of empathically feels all the pain. Um, and then let's hit this, you know, ear-shattering, stomach-turning scream. And um, we're done. <laughs> well, and then the lights in the house. Yeah, burn everything it. burns out, yeah. And, that- and then credits roll over Laura whispering to yep. Dale in the Black yep. Lodge. <laughs> it does feel like David Lynch is on a on a horse, um, 
wearing like a fucking cowboy outfit, which has actually been set on fire, jumping through hoops made of ice um, to the sound of Dance of the Valkyries. Yeah. It, all right. So let let's let's talk about what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, my my take on this, as, as I was both describing and doing the notes and all that stuff, is that Dale Dale snatches Laura from that reality. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, from the reality of her dying, getting murdered by Leland slash Bob, ending up in the plastic where Pete Bartell finds her, um, where Agent Cooper takes her away from that. But in rescuing her, something snatches her out of his grasp. And so in an effort to go back after her, along with Diane, who is like, I'm going to do this with you. Then they end up, the Black Lodge basically spits them into this alternate world where it has also deposited Laura Palmer, but in so doing has stolen essentially her yeah. identity and and put her in this new life that's just equally terrible for different reasons, apparently. But this Judy character, this Judy monster, this evil force that is, you know, a, a a thing that I, I guess would be the mother. Yeah, that birth. Yeah, well, that's yeah, possibly? that's what I thought was. I thought it was a creature that was banging in episode three. Um, you, you know, bang, and right. I, I'm also assuming that's a creature that tore up the folks' faces in New York. Right. That that's kind of my understanding of it as well. Is that she is still in pursuit slash torturing Laura yeah. Palmer, and. Now Dale has been thrown into this existence to try to save Laura once again. I mean, it's the same thing. He's still trying to save her from this evil. Only now it's not Laura, it's Carrie Page. But what's the Uh difference? And that where we end the show is kind of where we began it. Uh, Way back in even season Mm -hmm. one of Agent Cooper arriving in a foreign place to try to save this girl. And except now, I mean, where, where are they? I, I mean, it's just an, an other yeah. place. It is not the world that we know. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's also definitely a way aspect in there. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. And that, right. That's the other question is, are they, in the future, is it future? Or is yeah, it which is the question that's asked. Question. Yeah, uh, I think it's past that they're in. Um, I get the feeling. I was trying to like scour along the whole journey through Twin Peaks to see if there was anything that I would identify as being like a modern car or anything like that. Even when they passed the double R diner, I, I didn't instantly jump out that there was anything different or weird that would denote earlier. But if we're assuming the old lady from the park had the house and then sold it on to someone who is going to sell it on to the Palmers, potentially. Um, knowing what that timeline's like, we could be we could be several decades in the past. Yeah, because the double R was opened by Norma's yeah. parents. That's right, yeah. So it's been so, there for a while. So I, I imagine right. on a second viewing, I'll maybe be able to pick out more details in the town itself that might identify 
a bit better if it is like a past or or, or not. But yeah, it's um, it's all very strange. It's all very strange. I think we need to. Uh, I think we also need to like just touch on some of the glaring things that the TV show didn't bother. I know you were saying like there are certain things where yeah, this is just whether it's uh, Ashley Judd being in for a couple of episodes. We don't need to follow that. We got no payoff with Audrey at all. No, yeah. which feels frustrating. Um, even as a fan of this show, kind of feels like there was something really cool being hinted at there, but you know, never really went any further. I would like to say that I read a lot of people complaining about the theory about the box in New York. I think that's been answered. I think it was most likely um, our buddy Doppelcoop who invented it as a way to trap Cooper at the time. So he seemed to have a series of traps he'd set up himself, whether it was tulpas or, you know, weird ways of trapping people, because it's what stops Coop getting into the world, getting into the real world when he tries to escape. Yeah, and I would also argue that even if Doppel Cooper didn't capture Cooper if he tried to escape, but he's also trying to capture whatever power it is that birth yeah. Bob you know because that that's kind of the, his whole gig right is that he's trying to get to that yeah, source it's constantly trying to get to and, that source um right trying to avoid being trapped back in the black lodge while at the same time using black lodge shit to get his way to yeah the uh, frustrating yeah. that we we never got any proper clarification on what Judy is um apart from this kind of entity, but, you know, the, the closest we get to it is Jerry's a diner, uh, which is slightly frustrating in the last episode. Um, but I kind of like to tie in there with that. Um, there are other bits and bobs, but, you know, like, what's the deal with Sarah Palmer, and is that even worth talking about now? Um, because one would, hy- one would hypothesize that now that Laura doesn't exist in that plane. All the characters we have interacted with may lead different lives now. You know what I mean? So, in in theory, um, this killer does not kill Laura Palmer, i.e. Leland Palmer doesn't kill Laura Palmer. Uh, They might not even, if she doesn't exist in that plane anymore, then Leland might never become Bob. Um, Which means that you know, there a whole lot of questions start flagging up about new characters we've met, interactions. Um, yeah, it's it, like he. What I kind of love about this ending is the fact that you're right. On some level, there is a kind of well. If we want to go again at it, we can go again at it. I've set things weirdly in an obtuse way where we could have another season if we want to. Um, but going in a different road with you know with brand new characters now uh, or different versions of the same characters certainly. Um, also on the flip side of that, if this show does finish, then what better way to finish it than the the Evil Dead three ending? I slept too long. Yeah, I I I think all right. So that that's one of our two questions, yeah. Duncan. Is this more satisfying than the end of season yeah. two? It very much is. And the reason it is, is because I feel the journey to get to this answer is more rewarding than the journey to get to the answer at the end of season two. The, the end of season two felt rushed. 
felt really rushed. And we know why it was rushed, because that show was basically being greenlit for an episode almost week to week. Um, and so much so that David Lynch had to pick up pieces, well, David Lynch and Mark Frost had to pick up pieces and story arcs that they did not develop for characters that they were not interested in uh, to kind of push things through and tie things up in a way which felt satisfying to them. Um, I still think as like middle fingers to the the TV company who cancelled them in the first place. I think this time round, David Lynch and Mark Frost gave you exactly what they wanted on the screen. Exactly their vision from start to finish. I think even if the ending is frustrating in that it it raises equally as many, if not more questions than season two did, um, I feel more satisfied that even if he is not where he thinks he is, we have Dale Cooper out and about and not trapped and consigned to the lodge. Um, But I feel that on some level... This is if this is the story that David Lynch wants to tell from start to finish over eighteen hours, then that by proxy is better than what we got um, at the end of season two. Yeah, I I agree with all of that. I I think I think it's satisfying enough. There's enough payoff to a lot of these characters that it it feels less open ended. Yeah. Uh, than than the second season did, and I think that the mystery that it gives you in the final episode is sort of the icing on the cake. Like I, I think you resolve the lard, mm, you 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 resolve the Bob storyline, yeah. which has been around since the first season. Now it still leaves open the Laura Palmer storyline, but as we've talked about, you know. The whole idea was never to solve the murder no, of Laura Palmer. That was that was supposed and, to go on forever. Right. And this is kind of a way yeah. to do that is to say that the mystery of Laura Palmer, at least to her her existence, um is is always going to now, be a mystery. If if the world is benevolent and loves us both, what will happen is someone will pay David Lynch an exorbitant amount of money to make a movie to wrap this all up and he will make Firewalk with me part two, uh, which will not wrap up anything. And I will be the happiest man in the history of the world. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Uh, If if, I would love to see him do like a, you know, two, two and a half hour Mm -hmm. film that was just like, Hey, I'm going to put a, I'm going to, further explain the world that I've dropped them in, but maybe not resolve it. Yeah. I, I would be I think as that. well, I think that whilst the show didn't really deliver the numbers which I think Showtime were ultimately looking for, and there is there is evidence out there that it started to lose a lot of viewers as it went along. I genuinely think that come award season, this show is going to clear up quite a bit. Um and I think at that point the potential for David Lynch to, I mean, he's already, the critics have loved this. Well, for the most part, critics have loved this, uh, this show that I imagine that if he wanted to do something, he has already come out and said that, you know, even Kyle McLaughlin said, you know, there, there is a will there to continue on and, and do a fourth season sometime. It just won't be happening anytime soon with an aging cast um, and an aging director as well that time, that window gets shorter and shorter, that, yeah, 
I, I don't know if I want to see a season four. If it happens, I'll watch it. But season three to me is as close to perfect as I think I've watched. Right. Right, there we go. That's your next question. Right. Yeah. Let, let's jump on that, which is, is this, uh, let's just start here. Is this in the top 10 best shows ever made? Yes. And I'm talking from season one to now. Yes. All right. Is it in the top five? For me, personally, yeah. All right. Uh, is it the greatest show that has ever been? I want to say yes. I so badly want to say yes. And that's a tough call, man. That's a tough, tough call. I, I yeah. I think it's I think it is unlike any TV show. I think that's where it makes it. If I was if I was if I was rating TV shows of all time, I think it is very difficult not to say that Twin Peaks is the most original TV show of all time. Not only was it a trendsetter then, but it has, in my opinion, reinvented the way you tell stories in 2017 as well for TV. I think the impact is going to be felt. I think it's going to carry on. Um, I think about other, I think about shows like The Sopranos. I think about that first season of True Detective Man is, you know, is damn near perfect. Um, But, arguably neither one of them exists without Twin Peaks. So in terms of importance, yes, it is the most important TV show that's ever existed by far. Is it the best? Um, If it's not one, it's in the top three for sure. Yeah. I kind of want to live with this a little longer. Oh, I can't wait. I've got this ordered. Yeah. I've got the box set ordered for my Christmas and um, I am going to, I'm going to, go through it with a fine tooth comb and i imagine that there are there are hundreds of things that we had missed oh for sure and we'll you know we'll do final dossier and uh and and bonus features and whatnot yeah uh at some point a little a little postscript um but yeah i i agree i think it's it's there is as i've said about seven percent of the population Mm -hmm. for whom this show is the greatest thing that has ever been Agreed. Uh, and and I am proud to call myself of that number. I think that it is, for all its flaws, this show also has the benefit of having a quarter century to build its mystique. Yeah. And, and then to pay it off in a way that was unexpected but satisfying. Yeah. And I, I love, like no other show has, it, it's the boyhood of television shows. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> it's just such a crazy experiment. Like no show will ever do what this has done again, mm-hmm. which is to do two seasons, a movie that didn't answer any of the questions that the second season finale posed, which is what everybody wanted. Yeah. Does something different there. That's still amazing. And then that creates the template for season three, which becomes much more, existential and and a little more i don't know supernatural i guess like which more. i think it was like to me that was always lynch's intention you know what i mean you yeah, get that it, feeling that lynch and lynch and frost had that there and i feel that it would have been slowly fleshed out over many many seasons had the show went the way they wanted that i would also argue that david lynch should have known better that people you know, people in TV stations are not just going to keep tuning in 
and writing blank checks for a TV show forever that was this weird. I mean, a lot of shows lasted a lot longer after this, X-Files being one. Uh, X-Files doesn't get into nine series and then back for a tenth if Twin Peaks didn't exist. Um, because, you know, you had that cult phenomenon of people just used to watching TV shows um, by that point, you know, the weirder the better. But, you know, David Lynch should have known better. Um, and then he fucked the system <laughs> hard when he made Fire Walk With Me, which we've made our points. I still think, and I will, to, I will go to my grave saying I think it is one of the finest horror movies of the 1990s. I genuinely think it's... Yeah. No horror movie does what that movie does uh, in, in the 90s in particular. The roller coaster, the sorrow, the, the pain, the anguish uh, is there and you feel it all the way through it. And then to come back 25 years later and unveil this huge project of 18 hours of TV um, and it's, it's, it's unlike anything else that's ever existed. I don't think we'll ever see it's like again. Um, and I'm kind of cool with that. I think it stands um, it stands alone, and, and rightly so. And I think David Lynch... I, I think we can't... We always go to Lynch. I think Mark Frost is a fucking great writer. I love his storytelling. Um, and I think his combination of working with Lynch has proved, you know, some of the greatest TV stories and characters of all time. But David Lynch is hands down one of the finest visionary um, artist directors that we will ever see. Uh, he's on a completely different level to anyone else. And uh, it's a level that is weirdly enthralling, engrossing, wonderful. And he, he, he brings, he brings you into places that you feel unsettled and you don't know why. Um, and you get wrapped up in the mystery. And I've said it before, I don't think I'm ready to leave Twin Peaks. I, 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 after 10 months of this show, going through it all and analysing it in the books and all the rest, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't want to go. I, you know, I mean, we don't have to. <laughs> well, we, we kind of have to bowl 18 episodes, unless, unless you know something I don't know. Well... I mean, we came up with all those dumb voices along the way. We did. And we did some amazing voices. I, right. And we only got to use them a little bit. Oh, the, oh Philip Jeffrey's tea kettle voice is the greatest thing ever, y'all. Right, right. So, but, and we got to use it for what? Like uh, two hours, maybe. Yeah, if that. Not enough, if you ask me. Uh, you want to do it again? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, like right now. Let's just start over. Fuck it. Let's start over. All right. Uh, we open on <laughs> uh, e- episode one of season one of uh, Twin Peaks, a.k.a. Northwest Passage. Yes. Um, and we see the uh, sawmill where Josie Packard is, is putting on her makeup. Oh, oh. <laughs> putting on her makeup. <laughs> and... Pe- <laughs> And Pete Martell <laughs> is going fishing. <laughs> I missed her so much. Oh, 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 oh Pete. Oh, fish. Um, and Pete uh, is uh, runs in to see you next Tuesday, Catherine Martell. Yeah, well, on his way out the door. Yes, what's you next Tuesday? Oh, uh, just giving him the business, like. 
be, being a real see you next Tuesday as he's like, I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> and rising. <laughs> and <laughs> see, this is why we start over. So Pete is uh, like hanging out doing his fishing thing and he sees like a heap of plastic near mm-hmm. a fallen tree. And uh, upon investigation, sees what's a truly disturbing image of the hair coming out of the bag. Yeah. And he called, Harry? Uh, <laughs> <resin>. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, I found a body wrapped in plastic. I couldn't use it for bait, Harry. <laughs> and so... He calls Harry, but it's Lucy who gets uh, the phone call. Mm. And uh, being Lucy, she's like, I'm going to transfer it to the phone. The one over by you. The one where we had the chair a while back, but then we moved that. But it's that phone. That phone. And Harry picks up and is like, what's going on? Uh, and it's Pete. And he uh, he says, she's dead, Harry. Yeah. Wrapped in plastic. Wrapped in plastic. And uh, that's pretty good. That's a good theme right now. Yeah, uh, I've been working on it just in the unlikely event that we ever did this. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I that's now I feel less weird. Uh, <laughs> so Harry's on his way, and he tells Lucy to shut the fuck up about this. He's yeah. like, don't let this get out, but also send Doc Hayward and Andy my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we assemble our crack team at the body. Yep. Andy takes some pictures, but of course, uh, he breaks down crying. He's overwhelmed uh, by the situation. Sure. Oh my God, she's in plastic. <laughs> Thrown away like garbage. <laughs> Someone uh, recycle that girl. <laughs> the green container was right there. <laughs> they probably call it a recycle bin or something stupid in <laughs> Europe. This is what he says. Um, <laughs> and Doc Hayward finally is like, yeah, fucking get him out of here. And opens up the plastic. And, and sure enough, Laura Palmer. It's the body yes. of Laura Palmer. Right, right. Which, like, I, the, one of the details in that shot that always gets me is the uh, the grit on her face. Yeah, it's, it's very well done. It's, like, very well staged. And, yeah, she's wearing a lot of makeup to make her pale as fuck. Or pale EF, as I like to call it. Pale EF. Yeah. So that's uh, the, 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 actual, <laughs> the actual color code of it. And you can buy it from L'Oreal. Pale EF. I had a really good pale AF uh, at the microbrew the other night. Oh, <laughs> that was I had kind of a fruity aftertaste that I really liked. Kind of gritty, um, a little, a little gritty. Yeah, yeah. a little, little gritty. Can it can it taste a little bit like fish in a percolator? Sure. Uh, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. That's coming around. Um, uh, not this episode, but you know, we'll keep going. Yeah. Um, so. At Laura's house, Sarah Palmer is calling for her to wake up, and then we ascend the dark stairs, Duncan, Mm -hmm. with the ceiling fan whirring above us, which is never ominous. No, it's not important either, so forget that detail. Nope, don't worry about the ceiling fan. So, um, Sarah calls Major Briggs' house uh, to see if Bobby has uh, seen Laura anywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And 
they're like, nope, haven't seen him. And then, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. So I'm kidding, though. And then uh, at the school, Sarah calls the coach, and the coach is like, yeah, we haven't seen Bobby. He's been late all week. Yeah. Uh, so you see that little piece of shit? You tell him to talk to me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then we get one of the most welcome sights for. I don't know how many times now, but the first sighting of Audrey Horn. Yeah. Sorry, that's a whole season of it. (laughs) I'll see you soon. Um, And Audrey hops in the back of the car. She's going to school. Inside uh, the the Great Northern there, Leland Palmer uh, and Ben are scheming about getting the Packard sawmill. Like the sawmills in decline. They're going to make a, an offer and they're going to get that land. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, Ben is entertaining the investors from Norway, the Norwegians. Yes. The Norwegians. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, while like Leland, so I know. And Leland uh, gets a phone call. Uh, and like the meeting is interrupted while they're like, Hey Leland, it's your wife. You need to talk to her. It's urgent. So, um, while he's on the phone with her, it's a great shot. Uh, Leland is on the phone, uh, with, uh, Sarah. Yeah. And as he's talking, you see Harry walking in. Yeah. And then Harry sees Leland is like, Hey, I need to talk to you. But Leland doesn't hang up the phone. No. So Sarah is kind of realizing that yes, something awful has happened while like overhearing it on the phone while Leland is being told that his daughter's dead. Yeah. The thing, this is to me, this is the, the kind of linchpin for crazy Sarah. I think this is the bit that cracks her. Yeah. I mean, we didn't see her before, so there's no evidence she wasn't cray cray before, but I think this is what's in her. Sure. Oh, well, but yeah. when you see her in the opening scene, she's not cray cray. Like when she's like, Laura, am I going to have to ask you again to get up? I guess I am. You know, yeah. like, s- seems like a normal mom. Yeah. Um, over at the double R, uh, our German waitress Heidi shows up. Hello. <laughs> oh, 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 hello. <laughs> Der Strudel is in my <laughs> hamper. Go on. Is Hamper your final answer? <laughs> I was going to say bosom. And I thought that would make any sense. Der Strudel is in mein bosom. I think that makes as much sense as Hamper. <laughs> I'll work on that. She's, she's back in the show when at the end. <laughs> yeah, like the end of season two? Yeah, I'll work on the accent. Leave it with me. All right. All right. We'll get there. A couple of weeks. <laughs> Um, but she's like, Whoa, I'm late. And, uh, at the, at the diner, uh, at the, at the counter there is one Bobby Briggs. He's like, it's like, Hey, Heidi's late over here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, Shelly is like, Oh, Bobby. He's like, Hey, you want me to take you home over here? And Shelly's like, well, I'm getting off. I guess it's convenient. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she hops in the car with Bobby, uh, who is presumably just dropping her off on his way to school. Yes. Um, but 
they immediately start uh, uh, making babies <laughs> or, well, kissing. That's how you do it, right? They start kissing. <laughs> and and it, it, it harkens back to, like, you know, if we peer into the future, Duncan, uh, uh, Shelley's own daughter, Becky, in a very similar scene with um, <laughs> Stephen <laughs> outside the double R. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. everyone's favorite druggie, Stephen. Hey, I'm not in this season because I'm not a person yet. I don't think he was born either. Yeah, he was an entity. He's waiting in the Black Lodge to be belched out by some other fucked up nuclear test. Uh, <laughs> Bob was played by Steven. <laughs> I'm going to get Laura. It's a trick, my stare. Oh. Yeah, bad casting, bad timing. Mm. Um, see, that's another reason that actor's so gross, being born so late. <laughs> uh, at the so uh, Bobby and Shelley are, are making out, uh, and Bobby's a real charmer, as always, with lines like hey, "You give me a pocket rocket over here," <laughs> okay. and, and He's also, like, again, being a real charmer. Hey, your husband's gone right over here? And she's like, yeah, 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 Leo's not going to be around. But sure enough, his semi is in the driveway-ish. I mean, driveway, it's really just the patch of dirt near this trailer. Yeah. And uh, and then Bobby, like, slams on the brakes and is like, get the fuck out of my car over here. (laughs) Get the fuck out of my car over here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, so good. I mean, he just leaves the scent of burnt rubber in her hair as he's like, I am not getting involved. <laughs> Deal with Leo yourself over here. Um, <laughs> at the hospital, uh, Leland, wa- uh, Leland Palmer wants to see his daughter's body. Uh, he's with Harry and, uh, and, and Doc Hayward. And... They show him the body, and then he breaks down crying, and we get our first shot of the the trees blowing, of nature, of yeah. evil uh, uh, in the woods. Yep. And uh, then we cut over to the high school, where Donna is sweater-scorting around. Oh, Donna. Oh, it's nice to see you, Donna. Yeah, thanks for not showing up in the new season, and thanks or for the not movie. showing up in Firewalk with me, Right, skank. Oh, Donna. Um, Past the peace, Donna. Donna. <laughs> Donna. Pass the peace. For, for the love of Jesus, pass the peace. For the love of God and everything that's holy, Donna. Pass the fucking peace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. There's something beautiful about that that I I can't quite. That's put one of the greatest things ever. Um, where? Were, oh yeah, Donna in her sweater skirt, mm-hmm. uh, ensemble. Um, and so she's kind of bouncing around, and then sees Audrey over at her locker, who's having a smoke yeah. because Audrey is cool. She is cool and cool, <laughs> and. While, uh, am I right? Did she, she 
takes that cool all the way to the hamper, they say. <laughs> that old that old saying you've heard a bunch. It's the frosted on the muffin bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Ed, who should roll up on uh, Donna? Hey, everybody! Oh, Jesus Christ, it's James. Hey. Hey, I'm looking for Laura. <laughs> the little <white> Laura. <laughs> and uh, Donna's like, uh, I haven't I haven't seen Laura. Okay, you're that Laura. And she's like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> hey, Audrey, you're not Laura either. Okay, I'm gonna go now. <laughs> bye bye. And then <laughs> James, off he fox, oh, off James Fox. And then we get the kid break dancing down the hallway. Yep, Good. which is still one of the greatest things in in uh, this episode. Yep, David Lynch is hip with the kids, bull. Oh, sure. He's like, how about someone moonwalk? <laughs> um, <laughs> that Michael Jackson seems like a clean, wholesome fella. <laughs> You know, we're talking about innocence, like Michael Jackson. (laughs) Bubbles is a monkey. It's higher pitch because he's younger. Mm -hmm. Um, So, (laughs) Uh, and and so the cops show up, and in walks Bobby and his buddy Mike. Not not cool, Mike. Stupid Mike. Stupid Mike. Hey, I'm in high school over here. <laughs> Later, I'm older, but not yet. And <laughs> yes, that's how age works, boy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes I slip in a character; it's hard to come out. Um, James is always there nibbling. Uh, and uh, so they tell Bobby to go to the office over here, and in class. We uh, see like James and Donna and Audrey are all in in the same class, and um, of course, when answering roll call, James's response is "Yo, yeah, oh, not not a here or present, you know." <clears throat> James Hurley, yo, I'm James. <laughs> um, what 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 do you want? <laughs> Are you here, James? Yo. Did you call my name? All right, just sit. I'm going to write a song. You do that. Just. It's got four of the words in the song. Just you and I. But I'm going to sing it. So, shut up. This is a serious scene. Um. So we see the girl run by outside the window screaming. Yeah. Like that that scene that gets repeated a bunch. And Donna looks over and sees the empty desk. Mm-hmm. And then she and James look at each other meaningfully. Or Donna looks at him meaningfully. Yeah. James. And James. Duh. Yeah, there's nothing behind the eyes. James is the is the OG Dougie. Uh, I've realized he's the, he's the proto doggy um, of the show, um, yeah. which will make sense when we get to season three. Um, but he has brute strength, very much like Dougie. He snaps a pencil with his thumb. 
either that or he's trying to uh, interrupt the professor from Reanimator. <laughs> either that, or he's trying to work out the the most most difficult of all um, sums. One plus one. <laughs> yeah, Mister Hurley, I suggest you get a pin. <laughs> Uh, Some beating of two interesting worlds. I like it. Uh, uh, yeah, I do too. I would love if James came back all reanimated. <laughs> How would you tell? But dump bum. Uh, so, <laughs> ba, uh, at the uh, uh, sheriff's department. Oh no, no, no! This is actually in the library. Sorry, um, Hawk. Ka-ka! And there was me thinking I'd never get to do it again. Yep, first appearance. Um, Andy and Bobby are having a chat, and they're kind of grilling Bobby. And Bobby's like, I don't know what's going on over you. <laughs> and Harry shows up, and it's like, Laura's dead. And then Bobby kind of flips out, and he's like, hey, I loved her over here. I would never kill her. And uh, then uh, the principal announces, hey, uh, Laura Palmer died over here on the PA. And cancel, uh, classes are canceled for the day. So thanks, Laura. Yeah, thanks, Laura. And, and then we end the, like the scene of the big announcement of her death, uh, focused on that famous framed photo of Laura Palmer, Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of homecoming photo. Um, and then we come back from commercial break. That was clearly there on the same photo, but this time in the Palmer household. And Sarah Palmer, Duncan, not not taking it so well. Not doing great. Um, she is drugged by Doc. Yeah. And then Harry uh, starts asking Sarah about, like, hey, when did you last see Laura? Uh, and she's like, oh, about nine, nine o'clock yeah. last night, yeah. maybe. The first rule, boop, boop. First rule of uh, interrogating a suspect is don't drug them first. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unreliable testimony. I'm just saying. Listen, koala bear. <laughs> did, did you? I am not answering your questions or the big paper clip until <laughs> I know what office of the Farm Bureau you work for. So, boop. <laughs> and is it true that Germans keep their strudels in their bosom? I say the hamper. Boop. <laughs> and uh, then she looks all creepy and she goes, who's upstairs? And uh, they're like, oh, it's, uh, you know, your husband and he's with uh, our agents. And she's like, okay, didn't sound like Laura. Oh, oh, she's dead. And so we cut upstairs where Hawk has discovered Laura's diary. Uh, but it's locked. It's, and our That's, once again, not going to become anything. But that's just a throwaway piece of evidence, Bo. It's not. Yep. It's not as if we're going to be finished season three and still missing a page of that diary. Oh no, no, no! Oh, I forgot that there's a missing. Oh yeah, uh, I forget nothing, Bull. <laughs> um, we also find that there's a video camera up there, mm-hmm. and then we're you know still grilling Sarah downstairs, and she says, "I heard your phone ring one time," and then the phone in the house rings, and Andy picks that up. And relays the message to Harry that a guy named Pulaski, who works at the mill, is also missing a daughter. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the mill, Duncan, 
we cut over to see one see you next Tuesday, Catherine Martell. Yep. Fight for sore giving, eyes. Pained sore eyes. Oh, just giving Josie the business. And I can't wait so till whole, I can't wait till she becomes Tajimura. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, I, I'm more prepared for it this yeah. time than I was last uh. time. Almost honorable Josie. <laughs> uh, but they're arguing because, like, Josie wants to shut the mill down for the day because of, you know, Renette Pulaski's dad is one of the workers at the mill. Mm-hmm. Plus, Laura Palmer just died, and this is a small town, and, you know, uh, one of the local teens was murdered. Um, and Catherine is telling her what a terrible business person she is and how she's going to run the uh, sawmill into the ground. And Josie's just like, oh, a peak. Stop it. And Pete uh, is like, well, you know, whereas Josie's the boss. And he calls uh, Shorty, uh, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shorty down on the floor and tells him to shut it down. And then on her way out of the office, thwarted by Josie and her own husband, Catherine, see you next Tuesday, Catherine Martell, just fire some random dude. Yeah. On her way. Like it's. It's a total like. What's your name? You're fired. It's a. Mm, She's left up to her name. Real, it is a real. See you next Tuesday movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we shoot over to Renette Pulaski wandering down railroad tracks with a uh, thin rope cut, uh, but still tied around her wrists. Yeah. And then LL Cool James. Uh, rolls up on the gas farm. Oh, cool, James. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Something like a phenomenon. <laughs> um, one time I walked with a panther. It was scary. <laughs> oh, dear. Because it was dark. The big kitty was nice. Um, he, wait, so he tells Ed... Uh, Laura died, and Ed's like, I know. Uh, like James, trust me, you were not the first person to find anything out ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he gives Ed a note to give to Donna, and then Nadine. Oh no! Hey. Oh, it's great. Yep, she's a bit more subdued. That's good. Uh, she pokes her head out and she says, Ed! <laughs> I need those dreams out by nightfall. <laughs> and so, you know, she's inside just like pitching names for her. <laughs> Silent drape store. Uh, uh, you know what? I we, think run silent, run drapes would be a really good. Oh, one. but like that wasn't the first. You know, she was like the drapes of Dan King. <laughs> oh no, that'll make people think about finger banging. So then, Duncan. (laughs) 
Oh, I can't do this. Oh, wait. <laughs> so we cut now to our our hero, Agent Dale Cooper. Oh yeah. It, mm. His first entry into the town of Twin Peaks, talking to Diane, who he has kissed. <laughs> um, now we know. We know. Uh, uh, he's but nothing else. They just kissed one. Yeah. Time. Anyway, so he's heading into Twin Peaks, giving her the lowdown on uh, on wanting to get the names of the trees. Doesn't even know the tr- name of the trees yet. He is wet behind the ears, Agent Cooper. Yeah, he's giving her a, his expenses where he went to have something to eat, where he had something to drink, uh, a piece of uh, pie, which is to die for, by the way. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's so odd seeing this again. Mm-hmm. In light of like everything that happens in season three, but it's just like, oh man, it, it does feel like poor innocent Agent Cooper has no idea what's ahead of him. Yeah, you just you just want to like swaddle him, you know, just like oh, you're in for some real shit, with Agent <laughs> Cooper. Uh, How do you fancy twenty years sitting in an armchair? <laughs> yeah, in in a a place that has no meaning where you question your own existence repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know what I like to call that? Manageable. <laughs> hi Oh. <laughs> I like that joke. Thank you, James. <laughs> Anyone else? No? Fine. Check, please. <laughs> Perfect! <laughs> you got James and David on your side. Yeah, David like um, to set up that joke at the start of season three and finish it at the end. <laughs> sure. Oh, man. So good. Um... So we at the hospital, we have the first meeting of uh, Sheriff Harry Truman and Agent Dale Cooper for the first time, which has the brilliant moment where as they're getting to know each other, Agent Cooper says, Harry, let me stop you in the hallway for just a second mm-hmm. and turns him around and it's just like, hey, you know, I here's how the FBI works. I don't want to get in the way, but we're in charge, blah, blah, blah. And it's just amazing. And also we have the and Harry, tell me, what are the names of those sh- Beautiful trees yeah. I saw on my way here. And uh, which it turns out, of course, are Douglas firs. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's an amazing s- sequence. Uh, I love I love Harry uh, and, and Agent Cooper together. And seeing the early goings of that is, is heartwarming, I think. Yeah. Um, so we also get confirmation, speaking of heartwarming, that Renette Pulaski was raped several times. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's all warm and fuzzy inside. Sure it does. Uh, And that she hasn't woken up yet. And that she might have neurological damage. Mm -hmm. And then she comes to enough to say, don't go there. Don't go there. Uh, As if uh, calling back to uh, a catchphrase, long since gone past. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, Agent Cooper is like, well, I need to interview her. And they're like, she is practically a Dougie. That won't make sense, but one day you'll inhabit it. You will understand the scientific terminology (laughs) sometime in the future, but she is what we call a third degree Dougie. Uh, (laughs) Third degree Dougie. (laughs) She is unconscious, and uh, fourth degree Dougie is, of course, walking around, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. Um,. So, oh, and as we're in the hospital, we see Mike, like, honest to goodness, one-armed Mike, uh, walking off the elevator. That's right. Just just a brief glimpse. 
Um, and then uh, as he leaves, we see Dr. Jacoby at the hospital for the first time. Yeah. See, and he spies Harry and, and Dale in the uh, elevator. But like Sheriff Truman doesn't like try to hold the door for him as he comes close. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Jacoby uh, climbs the stairs real quick. So he meets him anyway. And we have a great initial meeting with Dr. Jacoby where he's real weird and goofy and says like, hey, can I come see the body? And they're like, why the fuck do you want to come see the body? <laughs> and and he's like, ah, I don't know. Just thought you might want me there. And they're like, no, thanks. We'll ask you about other stuff some other time. But what comes out of all that is that um, Laura was seeing him mm-hmm. uh, as, as a therapist. Um, and that not a lot of people knew that. So then we go to the morgue where the lights are flickering. Yep. Which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Bo, was actually an accident, but David Lynch decided to keep it in. I did know that from the first time we did this episode. Okie dokie. Uh, but, but, but I still think it's worth repeating because we're going to do all this again anyway. So, yes. you know, we're uh, there's going to be some repetition here and there. Um, and... So under Laura's fingernail, uh, Agent Cooper has found the typewritten letter R. Mm-hmm. And he makes a note to Diane to give that information to Albert instead of some other guy because he says Albert has more on the ball, which is uh, a, a nice introduction to one of my favorite characters on the show. Uh, of just like, hey... In a couple episodes, you're going to meet this guy, and it's going to be awesome. And, and I can't wait till we get Kind of amazing, yeah. So, then we cut over to Donna, who's staking out the gas farm. Mm-hmm. And when Ed, uh, when she sees Ed, she runs over to him, and he gives her a big hug. Oh, there, Donna. Um, and Donna is like, hey, have you seen James? And he's like, yeah, he gave me this note. I uh, didn't know he could read or write, but <laughs> I assume this is just going to be a series of squiggles. And uh, But the note says to meet James at the roadhouse after 9.30, which is typical James time frame. I don't know. After this time sometime? Yeah. That's um, eh, stupid. Like, no, meet me at 9.30 or, you know, between the hours of 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. Not... Anytime after 9.30, except when they close, I guess. Or if it's tomorrow. Or I don't know. I'll see you. He's um, such a doggy. Uh, Hi! He's, he is <laughs> slightly more conscious than Dougie, but not by much. I don't know. Dougie's uh, more effective in almost every scenario. This is true. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, <laughs> so Mike shows up to be an asshole. And Big Ed nearly gives him one in the puss. Uh, watch it, Mike. You're going to end up with one right in the puss. Right in the puss. Right in the puss. Uh, and then before uh, they can really come to fisticuffs or, or pusticuffs, <laughs> possibly. Oh, dear. Um, Nadine pokes her head oh, out again. That. Just be like... Show. If only I had a gold coated shovel. Did you get those drapes up? (laughs) 
Fuck you then! <laughs> so, so uptight. Um, and, okay, so over at the sheriff's department, uh, they're trying, like, Dale has the diary. Mm-hmm. And Harry is like, hey, we don't have the key to that. And Dale's like, the fuck? And just pops it open. Because it's a child's diary. Yeah. It's not... No rocket um, science here. <laughs> right. And inside they find a reference to Laura being nervous about meeting someone with the initial J. Mm-hmm. And also uh, the baggie that's got a safety deposit box key in it uh, with also uh, powder that immediately Agent Cooper is like, that's probably going to be cocaine. Yep. A.K.A. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Skank. A.K.A. Toot Snoop. <laughs> Booger Sugar. Clean burning propane. Yeah. See, this is why we do it. Okay? This is about it. Uh, and <laughs> it, it, the scene ends, though, with one of my, my favorite uh, Agent Cooper moments where he says, Diane, I'm holding in my hand a small box of chocolate bunnies. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is just the fucking best. Those chocolate bunnies um, will make appearances in season three. <laughs> yes, they are referred to 100%. I'm going to just say um, that maybe out of date and shouldn't be concerned. Well, you know, tell that to Lucy. Um, so Andy calls in to say that they found the crime scene. And of course he is crying again. It's so awful, Lucy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we get around to properly questioning Bobby over here. Yeah. Where Dale and Harry now have him at the sheriff's department. Uh, and he's like, Hey, I got my lawyer over here. And they show Bobby the tape of Laura and Donna dancing around that they got from the video camera. And agent Cooper is being a real dick, uh, to Bobby where he's like, Hey, who do you think that you filmed that? Huh? Mm-hmm. Who, who was out there? What was it another guy? You know, was uh, Lord cheating on you, Bobby? And he's like, Hey, she would never do that over here. And he's like, I, I think she would, Bobby. I think you're a piece of shit. I think that, <laughs> that Laura was probably fucking around on you all the time or to, you know, the equivalent there. Mm-hmm. And, and Bobby's like, uh, you know, it, like doesn't know anything about it is, is it just insists like I didn't do it no matter what else I didn't do anything wrong. And in his defense, Dale is typing on his little like word message machine that we almost <laughs> never see. Again. Never see. Again. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's like, Hey, he didn't do this. And, uh, but he also tells Bobby, like you didn't love her. And real matter of fact, cause agent Cooper knows his shit. And then Duncan, we cut over to the great Northern where Audrey's being a stink. She is a bit playful at times. And so she's got, she's talking to like the secretary, like her dad's secretary. And she does the, you know, the jab with the pencil into the styrofoam cup of coffee. And uh, the secretary is just like, Audrey, don't fucking do that. And then she yanks the pencil out. And of course, coffee goes everywhere. What I really love about this moment, though, is that Audrey looks bored before the coffee finishes pouring. Oh, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. She's just like, I got, I, you know, I, I'm on to my next devil tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, so she goes into the room where all the, the Norwegians are holed up and talks about her poor, dear, murdered, 
horribly murdered friend until all the Norwegians get all up in arms. Yeah, until they, they decide that maybe they don't want to invest here. Right, right. Like, she's just, again, she's the fucking joker. Where she's just like, oh, how can I fuck something up? And it doesn't matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we hop over to uh, Bobby and Meat, or Mike. Uh, and they're like, hey, we're going to mess James up. Hey, we're going to beat up James over here. And Major Briggs shows up at the police station to be like, the fuck is going on here, Bobby? And like, Bobby, I'm disappointed. Um, and Bobby's like, hey, we're out of here over here. Mm-hmm. And and takes off. Uh, while they're there, that's just kind of establishing, like, hey, th- the relationship between Major Briggs and Bobby isn't so great. Um, but then we're, we go back to Agent Cooper, who's now talking to Donna. And he's like, why the fuck didn't you come back for the movie, huh? How come you? Do, how come you're too good for season three? Mm-hmm. Um, Where are the peas, and why have you not passed them? Maybe we'll settle some fucking scores in the final dossier. I'm not saying we do. Ooh, nice ball. I'm saying. I'm saying maybe we do. Yeah. Um. So Dale knows that Donna's hiding something from. Him. Like she's protecting somebody. When he shows her the video, he's like, "Who who's filming this? And she's like, I don't know. We filmed it ourselves or something. And uh, Agent Cooper is like, I know you're lying to me. And then she fucks off and Lucy comes in saying, hey, I overheard Mike and Bobby shit talking out there. And I pretended like I was typing and working on something. But instead, I was just eavesdropping and transcribing what I was eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Agent Cooper is already like, thanks for that, but we didn't need it because I'm a super sleuth. I don't know if anyone knows that yet. You will soon. Still early yeah. goings. It's time for you to get used to the idea. I'm a super sleuth. This is how it's going to happen. And because I have detected in my super sleuth abilities that there is the reflection of a motorcycle in Laura Palmer's eye. Mm-hmm. And we fade from that image to James's bike. Uh, where he is just like on a ridge brooding. Yeah, Brody James you know, is what we call him. Hey, everybody, I'm sad. Sorry. Um, and then, at the, then we cut over to the Great Northern where Audrey is giggling about the fact that the Norwegians are all leaving and Ben is trying to corral them all. And then we move over from that happy scene to another happy scene where Dale and Harry are investigating the murder scene. Yeah. And there's blood and a hammer and awfulness and a necklace half buried in dirt. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, we need to find who has the other half of this heart. Yes. This will be important or not. And then we cut back to James. Hey, everybody. I'm in this a lot. <laughs> um, and he is uh, holding on to the other half of that very necklace. Mm-hmm. So we cut over uh, briefly to the Horn household where we just see Johnny, brother of Audrey, uh, banging his head in his Indian headdress because Laura isn't coming to be with Mm -hmm. her, which it turns out was a thing she did. So that's how Laura ties to the Horn family, kind of. Yeah, against us, but at the moment it's innocent. Right. For now. Um, Don't spoil this, Duncan. There are people who are... (laughs) Just going to have started listening at the very end of the last episode. So, you know, have some goddamn respect, <laughs> Duncan. 
at the at the bank that that will apply to no mm-hmm. one. There, I, there is not. All right, at the bank, a deer head has fallen down and is sitting on the conference table. Uh, but the bank teller is just like, "Oh yeah, that fell down. It's just a weird thing that's on the table." I thought it was fun, mm-hmm. and she is bringing out the safety deposit box, which Laura has had open for about six months. Inside is an issue of Flesh World, Ooh. marked marked with a page that features Renette Pulaski. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shit is afoot, <laughs> which is how Sherlock Holmes used to see it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my dear Watson, shit is afoot. <laughs> Watson's like you. But, you stood on what, Holmes? <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> Watson. The fuckery is afoot. That's right. Um, <laughs> I think that's what Arthur Conan Doyle intended. Yes. Um. Come with me, Watson. We have shit to deal with on Reichenbach. Um, <laughs> Moriarty has been playing us like bitches, Watson. We've got to straight up represent. Yeah. Pop a cap in his ass. Um. I'm going to pull my gat on him, Watson. See if I don't. Bra, um, bra. <laughs> <laughs> Watson, hand me my deuce deuce. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, no character in history or uh, of literature are safe from the kind of ball. <laughs> no, no, I no, no. That version now, though, I think our version's got I, legs. I mean, we're a half step away from that. Uh, that Robert Downey version. Anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not that far off. Um, hey, speaking of shitty people at the Johnson home, uh, Leo's being pissy about the TV being. Mm. Uh, He's not quite uh, there yet, but uh, uh, TV bad. Uh, Present tense. Um, <laughs> and he's and he's like, why are cigarettes different? And she's like, oh, I picked these up from work. And he's like, Brad. Yeah. One cigarette. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> Leo, jealous. Um, <laughs> you know, his character would not substantially be different if he talked. Yeah, about I think it would be for, uh, it would be an improvement, maybe. So, over at Big Ed's, uh, Norma calls Ed up. Mm-hmm. And she is kind of crying. She's like, I need to talk, Ed. Uh, and he's like, all right, meet me at the roadhouse. And then uh, he looks out the window to see his wife, Nadine, just opening and closing drapes like a madman. Open! (laughs) Close! Open! Close! Open! Close! (laughs) Open! Close! Uh, Yeah, they're making noises, though, which is not great. Right, and that's the problem. Um, So... We cut over to a town meeting where Agent Cooper uh, is being filled in on Ben Horn and his dudes mm-hmm. uh, in the real estate world um, by uh, Harry Truman before the big meeting begins. Uh, the meeting is called to order by Margaret, the log lady, yep. uh, who, you know, uh, flashes the lights to get everybody to shut the fuck up. And then Dale addresses the crowd. He mentions the connection to the murder of Teresa Banks. 
which people may recall is the murder being investigated by Chris Isaac in Firewalk with Still can't remember that character's name. Doesn't matter, I'm just looking for Teresa. Um <laughs> uh, and then Dale uh is like, hey, we're we're gonna do a temporary curfew uh until we figure out what, what's going on around here. And then we cut over to Doc Hayward's house and the doctor is telling his wife about the, the necklace and all that. He's like, well, not a lot of people know this, but there's a necklace found because I'm a big, important guy and I want to look important. So I'm going to tell my wife sensitive police information. Yeah. Also Chester um, Desmond. Chester <laughs> Desmond. That's right. How could I forget? Name like Chester. It's gotta be good. Um, so she, uh, Donna is eavesdropping cause plenty of that going mm-hmm. around and she overhears this necklace detail and she's like, Oh fuck. I know who's got that. So she goes to her sister. Um, Who I don't think Harry. we ever see again. We don't kind of, but we do see, you know, the sister that plays the piano yes. later. We see her in season three. Yes. Did we? I didn't. I didn't. Yes, we did. Oh. We 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 just don't know what's going. Uh. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I know shit, Duncan. Um, <laughs> bang bang. Um. <laughs> so uh, where the fuck? Oh yeah yeah. So um, Harriet is like, I'll cover for you, but uh, if you're gonna take my bike, fill up the the back tire. And she's like, okay, you're the best, sis. And then she sneaks out. Well, while she's sneaking out, fucking Mike, her her meathead boyfriend, shows up at the mm-hmm. door with Bobby surfing on the hood of his car like a man. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm like Teen Wolf over here. <laughs> um, and and like Doc Hayward opens the door, sees what Bobby is doing, and it's like, Mike, what the fuck are you doing here so late? And he's like, I'm here to I'm here to see Donna, sir. I haven't been drinking, and my friend is fine. Yeah. And the yeah, so Doc Hayward is just like, I'm not letting you in. You're gonna wait on the porch like an asshole, mm-hmm. uh, Mike, which you are. And so she goes upstairs or he goes upstairs to get Donna to deal with Mike, but Donna's already fucked off. So uh Doc Hayward um is now on the hunt for Donna and is starts calling around because he's like, Hey, you know, Donna ain't here and with a murder just happened as well as this Pulaski mm-hmm. chick being assaulted, then we got to find her. And Mike, when he hears that Donna ain't there is like, I know where she went. And so he fucks off with Bobby to the roadhouse. So doc has already called Harry uh, and he and agent Cooper are already on a stake, a uh, stake out of the roadhouse. And Harry says that he's going to put out an all points, uh, which he tells Lucy to do. So he didn't really do it. You're a liar, Harry. <laughs> um, inside, you're a bad guy, Harry. Bye, Toddy. Uh, inside the roadhouse, Julie Cruz is singing Falling, which is cool. Yes. And Norma are flirting at a booth. All is right with the world. Nothing's going to go bad. Dale is even whittling in the car. That's nice. Uh, yeah. Everything is going well. And then Bobby and Mike show up and they're looking for a little trouble. They're looking for uh, fisticuffs. 
pusticuffs. Yeah. I'm going to hit him right in the puss. <laughs> I'll give him another one right in the puss. Uh, so, I don't know why I like doing you, that. So, Donna shows up. <laughs> I do. Donna shows up also, and Harry call ends up calling for backup because Agent Cooper's like, oh, some shit's about to go down. Get some people out mm-hmm. here. And when Donna goes in, Mike sees her and is just like, Donna! Pass the peas! Pass the peas, Donna. Pass the peas, Donna, and get over here. I have any peas. Pass them anyway. <laughs> get over here. Pass the peas. Pass the peas to me. And uh, um, Mike uh, starts getting handsy with her, and Big Ed can't sit for nope. that. So, but later on, we learned he got slipped to Mickey, so he's all woozy and punch drunk. Ooh, <laughs> and, and he gets kind of worked over by, uh, by Mike and Bobby. And while that's happening, one of James's stoolies, and who knew he had friends, yeah. aside from the various rocks and fauna of the yeah. woods. He's a good friend, Rock. Uh, Rock shows up and is like, are you Donna? And she's like, yeah, I'm Donna. You don't look like Laura. That's what he said. He said you wouldn't look like Laura, and that's how I would know it was you. And she's like, oh, my God, it's a whole gang of Jameses. <laughs> uh, the James gang. Huh? <laughs> huh, Duncan? So bad. The James gang? I love it! Um, so... <laughs> So while the police are breaking up the fight that's ensued in the roadhouse, uh, Donna is taken off with Rock, and Agent Cooper and Harry are following them to see where Donna takes mm-hmm. him, presumably to this guy who's got the J initial in his name. And uh, James uh, finally meets up with Donna after Dale and Harry kind of lose him on the bike down a logging trail or something. And uh, James and Donna are talking, and he's like, you know, she was a different person when when I last saw her. And she said, like, maybe Bobby killed a guy? Mm -hmm. And then James and Donna do some lip wrestling. Shock. They make some babies, Duncan. Yeah, that's... That's, I think that's... That's what you said earlier. (laughs) Tongues fertilize each other. Like fish. (laughs) And fish in the percolator. Oh, the old fish in the percolator routine. That's when they call it when uh, you pull out. Oh, um, <laughs> Donna, Donna says, like, hey, you got to give me half your necklace. And he's like, no, Laura gave this to me. Hey, you don't look like Laura. And you don't look like Laura, so you can't tell me what to do. And she's like, no, well, all right, how about we bury it? And he's like, okay. And then they bury it in the soft earth of, of the forest. Um, so on the way home, though, Donna and, and James do get picked up by the mm-hmm. cops and taken into custody. And Donna's like, he didn't do anything. And they're like, look, we you're probably right. Uh, because we don't have a lot of faith that he's capable of much. But we still got to talk mm-hmm. to him because his name starts with J. This is a clue. Here we go. It's um, called investigating. Meanwhile, uh, right. It's uh, following leads, being a super sleuth. Super sleuth. Uh, we call it handling shit, Watson. 
Um, <laughs> that's him and his Meerschaum. Um, <laughs> pip, Pip, Watson. That was really fucked up. Um, <laughs> the game is a fucked. Uh, oh, yeah. So Doc Hayward takes Donna home. And that's pretty cool. Like, Doc Hayward seems like a good mm-hmm. one. And um, is, is like, hey, we got to go get your sister's bike and fill up that tire for him. <laughs> um, so he's being real nice. And uh, at the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department, Lucy has prepared a, a, a spread of donuts. Mm. And yes. Agent Cooper, like, this is the first time Agent Cooper's like, look at all these goddamn donuts. I will never leave this, this town. This seems like a great place to be trapped. <laughs> um, I mean, stay. Stay. And speaking of Stan, he, we've got the great scene where he is uh, asking for a hotel recommendation. And he's telling um, Harry what he needs. And Harry's like, hey, yeah, the Great Northern's pretty good. And he's like, Harry, I just need something plain. Something good rates, maybe a television if I have rare time off. And he's like, yeah, the Great Northern, like I fucking said. And he's like, Great Northern? Sounds perfect, Harry. And uh, so off uh, Cooper fucks to the Great Northern um, for the first time, which is great. (laughs) And then Harry shows up at the mill. And he and Josie are like, let's let's do some lip wrestling of our own and make some babies. Yes, calculate that fish. And yeah, Harry, Harry's like, <laughs> like, hey, nobody's supposed to know about this. This is our illicit affair, Josie. And she's like, oh, I know. Oh. <laughs> and oh, Harry. Uh, And then we cut inside and see you next uh, see you next Tuesday. Catherine Martell is on the phone with somebody and she's like, he's here again. And then we realize that that other someone she is on the phone with is Ben. That's right. And yeah. And he's like, we ought to meet up soon. And she's like, totally let's do some evil shit. (laughs) Just like I said, Watson up to evil shit (laughs) on the Um, witching hour. (laughs) um so uh we we close uh the pilot episode of season one uh in the palmer household where sarah is sleeping restless restlessly upon the sofa Mm -hmm. and uh uh she snaps awake terrified as we cut to a gloved hand removing the necklace from the dirt in which it had been buried. Yeah. And there endeth the pilot episode of season one of Twin We should just like roll right into the second episode, strike while the iron is hot, bull. I agree. I got a fire in my belly (laughs) and, uh, and a tingling in my loins. Let's do this. Episode two. Uh, the first one not directed by David Lynch is directed by Dwayne Dunham. Mm -hmm. Uh, still written by Mark Frost and David Lynch. Entire traces to nowhere. Traces to nowhere. Uh, the investigation. This is future. Wow. This is past. <laughs>